Hmm. We got to talk about this document. Do we? Ugh, God. This- <laughs> we got to talk about this Google sidebar. It's what we got to talk about. <laughs> you like that? I I have about two or two and a half inches of gray space. So I have it collapsed per little arrow collapsing thing. But I still have like like two inches of gray space I can't make go away. All right. Well, you've got it collapsed. So, so I had a roller coaster ride today. Yeah, uh, I saw. I've been, I saw. I, I've been annoyed by the little uh, vertical sidebar on the right-hand side they're, of the they're email try, They're trying to help. Since they introduced it. And I sent feedback to them. I said, you know, I don't, I don't need – I don't want that sidebar. I don't want it taking up the – a centimeter of space because I can use that horizontal space in Gmail. I can see more of the subject line or whatever. I don't need that big white strip going down the right side of my browser window. Love to be able to hide it. And today they added a feature with a little arrow where you can click the arrow and you can hide it. And I was like, awesome. Feedback received. Feature added. Mm-hmm. Now you can hide the sidebar if you don't want it. And there's a little, it leaves a little nubbin poking out of the lower right corner, but at least I get my screen back. Uh, but I later found out that if you go to any other screen in Google Docs and Google Sheets and Google anything, all of a sudden, the sidebar that didn't used to be there now is everywhere. And yeah, you can hide it in all those places. But every time you open up a new Google Sheet, a new Google document, for all I know, if you open up the same document again, the sidebar is there. So you must constantly dismiss it. Yeah. Huh. This is bad. Yeah. Google has gotten, I mean, this is, a, I guess, a little broader than that. But Google's gotten a little bit, uh, a little ballsy with some of their interface stuff. Uh, in a way that I find really frustrating. I mean, one is I know you're, you're not a big Google U- News user, but Google News on an iPad, um, they've futzed with it so that it's like all kinds, there's all kinds of like normal commands and gestures that don't work right. That's been bugging me for a while. Like, for example, you can't hit the clock on the iPad to go to the top. And uh, stuff like this, I find very frustrating. Unless you do some serious pokery jiggery with... Um, one of those extensions. I don't know how you get rid of this. Yeah, you can do use, use, user CSS. You can use an ad blocker, all sorts of other stuff like that. I just, it's like Google giveth and Google taketh away. I don't, I, like, I don't understand that, you know, they, they go the extra mile to say, we got some feedback. Some people don't like the sidebar. Sure, we can add a feature to hide it. Everyone doesn't need to see it. Great, good. And at the same time, they think, let's put it everywhere else and make people constantly have to dismiss it. Like, there's no way to say, I never want to see that sidebar. It's like, you make a new document, you get the sidebar. So, okay, so I'm in Google Docs, as I imagine you are right now. And I hit the disclose or the arrow. Now, what happens if I hit calendar right now? Oh, it brings up my calendar. Okay, keep. Oh, Google Keep. Are you a big user of Google Keep? I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's their stuff holder. What's the other one? Tasks. Oh, Google Tasks. Look at that. Oh, this is really, this is a real bolt-on. No, this is not useful. Yeah, it's frustrating. There's so much I really like. I mean, it's, it's funny. Um, Actually, it was my wife's job continues to expand and grow more responsibility. And she's got a lot of projects she's keeping in the air right now. And she <laughs> she texted me this morning and was like, ah, my job is getting big. I need a way to manage stuff. And uh, so I started using Evernote today. And I went, this is not the golden age of Evernote right now. I don't know if you follow this, but they lost like, I think three C levels and their HR director in the last month. I know what's going on with them. And it's funny because this is how this tells you how fast time goes. The last project I used Evernote for, 
there are two things that we did that involve, well, that's really boring. Let's just say for the sake of argument, the last important project I used Evernote for was when I got a new office and it was extremely successful because it did something unique at the time, which is I walked around, I walked this one mile strip, uh, that I was willing to, that I was, you know, hoping to get an office somewhere on this one mile strip near my house. And I took a picture of every for rent sign in every window and it was automatically geotagged. It could be put on a map. It was really cool. And that was 10 years ago. That was the last time I heavily used Evernote for something. So I felt like, I felt like Carl Van Hoot because she was like, oh, I'm going to use this for, you know, my projects. And I was like, I, I'm not even sure how you would use Evernote to manage project stuff. Maybe I just don't even remember. And I was saying, you know, you know, if it's, of course, because I'm, I'm that guy, I was like, well, personally, I would keep your personal tasks somewhere separate from the management of projects that, you know, you're managing for other people. And I was like, you know, Google Sheets is really good. You know, Google Docs and Google Sheets, I think there's pretty good reasons. Some of it might be just the war of attrition, but they're really, they're good docs. Like, uh, they're, they're good apps. Like, pretty much everybody we know, I think, uses it for stuff like shared show notes. I use Google Sheets every day. Like I, I use it a lot. I'm good with the formulas. Like I know about the dollar signs. <laughs> like I'm really good with Google Sheets. And you know, it's it's funny because like all the all these other things have dropped. Like when's the last time like do you use numbers, for example? I tried to use it recently and I ended up going back to Excel. Oh, you use full on MS Excel. Well, I do have it. And yeah, like I, I was trying to make a graph of some stuff and numbers was fighting me and I'm a little bit more familiar with Excel. And so I just did it there. Well, I mean, gosh, I haven't used actual Excel for a long time. Actual Excel was where you had to go to do stuff like pivot tables. I feel like there was a time when sheets didn't do pivot tables and, uh, but you can do that now. And of course it's, um, what's the word programmable? I mean, you can do stuff like have IFTTT send things to create new rows. You can even have it go in and change specific cells. You know, it's very malleable that way. It is hot garbage on an iOS device, which is still a bummer. But, uh, you know, it's just really interesting because there was a, a while back when Apple seemed to sort of tentatively pushing, be pushing to say, no, no, seriously, you can trust us. These, you know, our office productivity suite, our work productivity suite will be good. And they just seem to have kind of lost steam on that. Yeah, like the, uh, the the Mac Office stuff is like, Google does collaboration in the web better, and Microsoft does native apps better. But if you don't like good collaboration or a really full-featured uh, native app, try Apple's iWork suite. Because mm-hmm. their their web collaboration tools are worse than Google's, and their native apps are just middle of the... I mean, the, the good thing is that if you if they have all the features that you need, they're more pleasant than Office for the most part, because Office has all sorts of stuff in it and all sorts of interface uh, things that don't make any sense unless you know 30 That's years been like that since 1991, I think, or whatever, whenever five, six, whenever six came out, there's just been so much garbage in all the bars and stuff. I'll tell you a funny thing though. I mean, you remember the conventional wisdom in the eighties and into the nineties was that, you know, Apple was really smart because they'd gotten into education. That's smart because they can sell the performers or whatever, but it's also smart because they are inculcating a new generation in the use of that hardware. And I guess to some extent, their software, even if it's Microsoft, you're, at least you're using Microsoft on a Mac. Now today, I mean, listening to people like Fraser Spears talk about this, looking at what my kid does, I think that's Google now. Like Google is like where people do this stuff. It is the standard for like how we get like homework, how they do certain kinds of testing. I don't know. I mean, I think before we even get into Chromebooks, like it does seem like uh, people my kid's age are very comfortable using 
Google, uh, Google Docs in particular. Yeah, well, uh, the the whole like you, if the kids use it at school, they use it as adults. Never worked out for Apple because when they were the biggest and most dominant in schools, they were just getting crushed everywhere else. And the idea was like, you can use those when you're in school and maybe higher ed, higher ed help them get a foothold and sell lots of computers to people. Yeah. This was before like the good times of Apple. Uh, but then it's like, when you get to work, you'll get a real computer. And well, wasn't it, was it really the like, Apple II though? That was the the breakthrough for education um, stuff. Yeah, it was big in education, but even the Mac was, was fairly big in education, mm-hmm. especially in higher ed during like the nineties, but it was still like, then you, then you graduate and put down childish things and get a PC. It didn't help them, like, say, oh, I've used Macs for my Apple IIs and Macs for my entire educational career. Now I'm going to buy a home computer or I'm going to buy a Mac. No one would ever do it. They'd be like, no, that's just like a school thing. So, um, and same thing with Google. Like, I think the reason people w- are using Google stuff is not because they're using it in school. It maybe it helps with familiarity, but it's just because uh, offices use it too. Like, we use it at work all the time, mostly because the collaboration features are so much better than these supposedly comparable collaboration features from Microsoft or Dropbox or any of those. Uh, well, it's, it's more of like, you know, having multiple people editing the same document at the same time, Google nails that. And lots of other things try to offer that to varying degrees of reliability, but Google is just like, it works all the time. Every time we never think about it, mm-hmm. everybody at works uses Google docs and Google sheets after we still pay for all the Microsoft stuff, because I don't know, someone is convinced <laughs> you have to pay for exchange or some crap or whatever, but everybody uses the Google stuff, which we also pay for probably too. And so it's not because we all used it in school or a new generation of kids used it in school. It's because, you know, offices decide that this is the best tool for the job. It just so happens that it's also very often the best tool for the job in education. Like the can't be overstated. The fact that there's nothing to install, nothing to update and collaboration mm-hmm. just plain works. And it makes up for the ugliness and the lack of features and all the other things. Like the things I've seen people do with Google Sheets. I, you know, the old thing used to be the joke about Excel was like, you know, it's the only tool that people knew. So they would do everything in Excel. Like, People would, draw, be made. people would draw in Excel. They would just like, if any, they have any kind of problem, they would organize their thoughts by putting it into a grid of cells, which is just right. drives it was, me up like, the wall. The, the, two, the two killer apps for business that people could manipulate, like <laughs> between email, whatever you're like, it's Outlook in particular, between Outlook and Excel, like there would be people who would, they would prefer to solve a problem in that over almost anything else. They're really died in the wool Excel people. Yeah, the, and the thing that, that bothered me the most was like, when what they actually wanted was just like an outline, just like an indented bulleted list. And they would mm-hmm. do that in Excel. It's like, you've got Word right there. Like, I'm not saying Word is the greatest thing, but just that Excel is not. Anyway, they do the same thing with Google Sheets. Now, Google Sheets is, you know, the solution to all problems. Every problem that needs to be, they use it basically for project management, having little status columns and you can mm-hmm. make little cells and they, they all get all super into it and make little cells into like radio buttons where you can have three choices and have little formulas and connect things up. And it's like, all right, well, you just, you know, it just goes to show that like, it's not the fault of Excel that people do that. It's just a thing that people want to do. And anyway, they, I feel like they're being supplanted by the fact that now you can have seven people in the same document screwing with it at the same time. Uh, and that's that's what everybody uses. Mm-hmm. Um, and schools, I mean, I guess it's good for like teachers can see your work and all. It helps that, that like, it's free. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not free to the schools or free to the, free to the, the businesses, but you know, Is it schools are paying for paying for it. They're not using G Suite, are they? I mean, they're just using straight up. Google Docs. I'm, assuming, I'm assuming schools have to pay something per student huh. for the stuff that they do. Uh, I, I know businesses do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if you've listened to uh, the show that Fraser and um, Federico do. They do an iPad show um, that I find very interesting because, you know, Fraser's job, like he works, he is, I'm not sure what his exact title is, but I know he's some kind of an educator, but he also, he's like the IT education guy. I think it's so interesting to get his point of view on stuff. 
you know, where he, he ends up sort of being a canary in a coal mine in some ways, because all the things that, that we struggle with, I mean, there's not many of us that have to do like MDM on our own phone or whatever, but like he, he really feels the pain of dealing with mini Apple devices with mini, um, like little kids, you know, dealing with it. So he runs into that scale stuff, um, way ahead of when people like me run into it. Yeah, I think I think he, you know, he if he had his druthers, I think I can't speak for Fraser, but I think if he had his druthers, he would do everything with as stock as possible apps on iPads. I think it's a one to one school that he works at. But, you know, but the truth is the management stuff is Google is so far ahead on the management stuff over other people. It sounds like. When you see it, you see it in some, like I've talked about that, I think it's called like school pages. Like schools have all of these, this is like your favorite, right? I know how you love enterprise apps. These kinds of like enterprise services that are just such garbage. The stuff that they sell to schools, it's so bad. It's so lame. It's so ugly. It's so difficult to use either, even as just the consumer of that information. Then you get something like Google, which is like by and large, it's pretty clean. It's pretty straightforward. It's super powerful. And like it's something that you can manage, manage, and people buy stuff that they can manage. You know, it's, it's everything's relative because for how awful these third-party enterprise software for education things are, we've used a lot of them through you know elementary, middle, and high school now. Uh, the thing that's worse is a handmade, hand-maintained website that does not use a terrible piece of enterprise software, but instead was I don't know made by a teenager. 10 years ago and is loosely maintained by the one person who knows how to quote unquote to do web pages mm-hmm. like the the websites for these schools that are just not like they look like they've been put together you know in the 90s with like frames or something poorly organized terrible search uh you know nothing makes any sense everything is weirdly hidden uh my, my wife gets super mad that everyone's always saying go to the website the website is great you'll find everything in there and she's like your website is crap it looks it looks terrible on mobile because they don't know how to do mobile stuff you can't find anything and like a lot of them just, it looks like front page a lot of that stuff is still uh table I, layouts. I wish it was front page i wish <laughs> i wish there was some kind of navigate coherent navigate it's just a bunch of pages they all look different from each other and, and they don't do like the most basic sort of information architecture like like it's like the first day or the first week of school like what what are people looking for like what you know you have a giant homepage filled with information and none of it is what people are there looking for like what yeah, are the you use get like cases? A, you get like a hand updated you know bunch of li's um yeah, and you have to dig 20 levels deep to find what you want one of the things mm-hmm. i was looking for i wanted to find a school map for my kids that would find their way around this is your first year in middle school your first year in high school where are your classes let's get a map let's yeah. print it out let's color in your rooms like let's just you know have a map of the school. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it occurred to me after several hours of looking and failing to find the map of the school that perhaps they don't have it for security reasons. But listen, people, put a page on that says, oh, I if see. you're here looking for the map, sorry, we don't give it out for security reasons. If indeed that is the answer, because I don't know if that's the answer. Maybe the map is on there. Maybe it's not on there because no one ever thought to put the map on there. Or maybe it's not there for security reasons. I have no idea what the case is. All I know is that I couldn't find the map on this website after like good hour hour and a half of googling and searching yeah 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 it is it's funny i mean in some ways i have to say i think it's a credit to how much so many sites have modernized that it really does stick out now um especially i don't know when you look at weirdo internet sites uh, like i have been last week you just still see this stuff it's like wow this is really like this feels like a very 2002 kind of website the other thing is the and i hope this age is kind of going away in the same way that flash did 
But at some point, uh, it seems like PDF became the answer to all the problems. Where like, you know, you wouldn't have to like format it for a web page. And I, I don't like hate PDFs, but I don't think they're the answer to everything. And it's, it can be really frustrating when you get into one of these sites and you can tell it's probably just some person who's real overworked and real busy and they just made an ahref equals something PDF and that, that pulls it up. But like, you just, it feels very, as you say, like from a UX standpoint, kind of incompletely thought out, you know, a lot of these things are really would benefit from kind of a top, top down redesign, but nobody has time for that. Yeah. PDFs are all like, I, f- I think associate that more with non-education government where all of their content is in the form of PDFs and like not searchable at all. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it can really, uh, it can be garbage. I mean, you know, in some ways PDF, if you think about it, is pretty magical, but, uh, yeah. What did I do the other day? Oh yeah. Yeah. We had, my kid had some homework and, um, the teacher had said, you know, if you don't mind, actually you can fill this in on the form, but if you can, you could like, if you could like mail it to me, email it to me, uh, either the scan, a scan of this, a photo of this, or in my case, I spent 30 minutes formatting it correctly in, um, Google docs because I'm, I'm broken inside. But it's wild. What app was I using? I think I want to say Dropbox. I can't believe how many apps now you just go um, and you take a picture and there's OCR. Like that used to be like a hundred dollar feature. And then there's so many apps where you can go in. It automatically, you know, looks for distortion in the angle for how it was scanned. It's not perfect, but it's damn sure close enough a lot of the time. It's that, that kind of stuff is still pretty magical to me. I'm amazed that you can just do that on your little pocket computer. Yeah, it never occurs to me to do that. I've not, I've not entered that world. I know all, every single app has that feature, but I don't, I tend not to do that. Yeah, I mean, it can be really cool. You know, it's funny when you, we talk about Evernote, you think about uh, Evernote, uh, DevonThink, any of those like kitchen sink apps that are meant to be all the things for your life. You think about that stage a lot of us have been through. I think some of the Katie Floyds of the world are still in where people who have a scan snap are similar. Like they just believe in scanning everything. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I get that. It certainly feeds the monster that loves things like creating bespoke Hazel scripts. Again, a very par- powerful app, but like that, that to me, that becomes such a merry-go-round. You know, it's like whatever that Einstein quote about like, why would I memorize anything I can look up? I mean, there's so much stuff where like, if I need to know what was on my electric bill nine months ago, I can just go to the website and guess what? Download a PDF. I don't know if I need that to be automatically searched and put into folders on my computer. That just feels like more stuff to just Croft to, to deal with. Yeah, well, people have a system, you know, especially for stuff system. that's really related to tax stuff, like receipts or whatever. Sure, sure, sure. Everything gets auto-filed and put in little things by date, and it's just like here's here's the paper trail of my life in digital form, which hopefully they're backing up somewhere. I thought of you. Thought of you the other day. Um, <laughs> there's this like rat king of podcasts I listen to that involves some aspect of turns out in business, you know, things like Freakonomics and Planet Money and 99% Invisible, things with design. And I always forget where I learned these things, but it was a super interesting podcast about the appearance of AI that's not really AI. And like you described there with like the receipt scanning, like how much of that stuff is actually a per, do you know about this? That a lot of times that is somebody taking a photograph and typing something in. Yeah, um, Mechanical Turk stuff. That's it. That was it. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, I should find this for you. You would like this. It's a new podcast. Oh, you know, I almost I almost sent this to you. There's a new Slate podcast that I really enjoyed. They just they had a teaser for it. And it's, 
how can I put this? Oh God, I have too many podcasts. But it was basically like the the substrata of like modern technology and where stuff stuff comes comes from. And they they look at very 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 old examples of something that tries to emulate what we think of as very modern technology today. And the first episode, yeah, step uh, episode one was about the Mechanical Turk. And I'm an Amazon Mechanical Turk, which is derived the name derived from yes. from the original Mechanical Turk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but they were pretty smart about the way they did it. Like they would do stuff. Let me see if I can find this. They would do stuff like they would, you know, publicly disassemble the mechanical Turk in front of people and, say, and have a bunch of like extra gears sitting around and stuff. But it sounds like it was pretty bad. Like you had to be inside the device. It would not be a small person necessarily. It could be a normal sized chess player title uh, inside that box. Not very well ventilated. Certainly not air conditioned. And they had a candle in there. <laughs> can you imagine that? It's very safe. Yeah. Well, so if you, know, you light some part of your clothing on fire, they'll, they'll open it up in time to get you out. You got to report them to ye olde OSHA. Yeah. Well, sure. They, they were they were training to. It's, it's another uh, fitting uh, parallel with modern day. They were training to be modern Amazon employees. Yeah. Boy, this is this is stacking up to be a year of interesting employee stories. Uh, so the the show, which I don't know if it's officially out yet, the secret history of the future. That's a good title. Uh, from Slate. Um, I know you don't listen to podcasts, but no, uh, we both up- uploaded what I assume are fairly complete lists of our podcast subscriptions. You didn't have that many more than me. The difference is you probably actually listened to all of yours. Uh, well, I'm not a Castro user like you, you know, I'm, uh, uh, <laughs> uh no, I've got, uh, I've got about 98. Yeah. I and think. I had like 70 something, right? Pod stand dot co yeah that that oh, website that. Could, we're, under, we're under editor's picks whatever that means yeah the the website could use some updating in that i didn't realize i would have one and only chance only one chance to upload a picture of myself i can help you with this yeah and now like i can never upload yes of you myself can again i figured out how to do it if i had re- re- remembered i should look at my browser history because the no, page you just, after you go into you your, your profile account, you, you go into your it. profile thing it's something they added after a couple days they didn't have it at first but then they added it so that's how i got my, I, I was exactly the same way i assumed i could just add it later um podstand.co popular yeah, shows look at that atp god where, you guys is my, the where is my account i don't understand i i'm clicking i'm going to safari i it's one of Browse those like listeners? it's one of those modern login things that's all like cookie based i think uh podstand yeah, so here i am on my subscriptions i have 72 so again not not too far off from the amount that you have where do i go oh did Probably i lose my cookie where's my cookie do i still have my cookie I don't know how I get logged back in. Okay, so you're in there? Do you have an option no, for I'm something just looking about- at my, my podcast subscription page, but I don't know how to... There is no login, and after you create your account, it shows you a page where you could change your thing, but I left that page, and I don't know what the URL was, and now I can never change. I can never give myself an icon again. Let's see if I... St- <laughs> oh. Uh, Merlin, my subscription... Add there is no login. You don't create an account. It just says, here, upload your stuff. And I okay, said, okay, on. here you go. Okay, so podstand.co, this is really good, really good radio. Podstand.co slash, add some more feeds, Merlin subscriptions, compare listeners. Oh, did I lose my link for this? If I See, I still have the ability to go to, let's see what happens, add some notes to your feed. Oh, we could incorrect key. That's an interesting message. And, and the hard part was like, oh, just go back through your browser history and find the page, which I could probably do. The problem is... What browser did I do? I run two browsers on every computer that I mm-hmm. use, and I use three uh, computers pretty routinely. My wife's mine and my one at work. So that's six different browser histories I would have to search. Each time, have to be sure before I move on to the next one that I wasn't just missing it, that it actually wasn't that browser. Yeah. 
that's, live that's streams. A, that's Where are funny. my live streams? Your your social no. graph? No, do you know my okay. live streams? Life streams. It's an old uh, tech demo technology idea from maybe from the 80s or whatever, when people were hmm. still really experimenting with the ideas of having interfaces to computers. And, and it was basically like, this in, this interface is a chronological interface, where the main metaphor is everything that you do or that has happened to you or whatever, it's just in a big chronological stream. So you find things by remembering more or less when they happened and you page back through. Oh yeah. Past. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure. And everything in one stream. So if I had live streams right now, it would be like, I know I did it a day or two ago. I don't need to care what computer were you on? What browser were you using? Anything like that. It's just, it, you know, I, it, I just have to remember where it was chronologically and it's a single live stream, not 20 live streams that you have to go through. I have six browser histories that I have to look I had live streams, I'd have one live stream to go through and say, I did that the other day, and I would find it. Try live streaming your way to podstand.co slash upload. See if that gets it. Upload? Slash upload. Share your subscription, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. So I did all this. Username, blah, blah, blah. Upload. Oh, so if I, if, do you think if I used, if I did the same username again, it would add the picture? Uh, oh, so that's the unlogged in view. Is it? There is, no, there is no login. You just enter a username <laughs> and your full name, and you upload just, a picture. Optional. Just touch live stream to continue. I wonder what happens if you hit upload picture. Hmm. I wonder if I'll get anything. And then submit. No, yeah, it's, just a, it's just a feature the website doesn't have yet. The website needs some way for someone who is well, uploaded I was their able to go back I in on whatever browser history I was on. This is really good radio. Whatever I was on, I was able to do it. But anyway, that's yeah, where it is if you want if to put If I had that URL of that mystery page that I was on, I think I could do it there too, but I don't. Stephen Coyle, if you're listening, we're one of your uh, editor's picks podcast. Uh, please tell John how to fix this. Yeah, we just have a feature to your website that says, hey, did you upload your subscriptions? Like, you should have some authentication because anybody could have uploaded anything as me. I can write Merlin Mann and upload a subscription. Well, it's like it. Marco's advertising CMS. That has an interesting approach, you know? No, it's not like that at all. It's just a f- completely freeform thing where you can go to upload and anybody can pretend to be anybody they want to be and upload any subscription. Oh, so yeah, there's yeah, no login, nice. no authentication. That's not nice. They should get, you should get a blue check. Yeah, this is just, this is like, uh, it, get to wait for the bots to come in and start uploading a thousand different uh, subscription things. Yeah. Anyway, you need login, you need a way to edit your account, you need a way to change your avatar picture, you need all the things. Hmm. I reloaded and we're not an editor's pick anymore. I think he's just, this is just, this is just random. Yeah. Oh, there we are. Now we're an editor's pick again. And you do the same thing as me. You have things like, you look nice today, still in there, you know. You just well, part really of it is I'm virtue signaling about the stuff that I love. That's like, virtue signaling. Huh? That's not virtue signaling. Yeah, it is. It's kind of virtue signaling. I'm signaling virtue. Virtue signaling is not a thing, first of all. And second yeah, of all. Yeah, it is. I, no, I, it I, I am virtue. Don't you tell me whether or not I'm virtue signaling. No, you, no you're not. You're being very normative right now. Mm-hmm. You, do you know? Do you know I'm, do you know? I'm white knighting is what I'm doing. You're white knighting. You do that. <laughs> Have you ever considered yourself a targeted individual? Oh, yes. I, I heard that. And I just finished <laughs> that episode where you talked about, what was it, gang stalking and a targeted gang individual? Yes. And, through the whole episode, like from the from the name, I think I have a vague idea of what it might be, but it really did I didn't quite figure it out. I haven't actually Googled it. Sound, it sounded it probably sounded well like you would be targeted by like a street gang, like the Warriors or the baseball no, Furies my, or after. My guess, you. Here, me, you tell me how close I am. And I, right. I've only listened to the episode. My guess is the idea is like a bunch of people on the internet get together to make someone's life miserable by basically like one person couldn't be on top of all their stuff and be like, watching like everything what they, they what do. people now call brigading. 
not even that just like if you're going to stalk somebody it's like you can't be awake 24 hours a day you can't be watching everything they do the second they tweet you as an individual can't be there to reply but if you get 300 people around the world you can get 24 hour a day seven day a week coverage of constantly annoying this person and finding out everything about their life that's my guess is what what uh gang stalking is how close am i i mean that's a terrific guess um i'm going to text this to you this is these are my special people um, there's a belief. So, so the, the interesting part of this is not that this, this exists. P- please don't talk about what you're seeing here. Um, especially the, the person who's in here a lot right now, cause she's got a lot going on. Um, can you see that she's got a lot going on? See the tape? What is going on here? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So here's the thing. The, the thing that is exceptional about this is not in my, in, so I'm not, I'm not a targeted individual as far as I know. I am not trying to be, I don't want to be insensitive to uh, the realities or the perceived realities of this. But um, so the part that's exceptional about this is not that it exists, but that there has been a community created around this stuff that has not existed before. And what is the thing we're talking about? It is a belief or a constellation of beliefs around the idea that there are people who become targeted by the deep web or by nefar- various nefarious actors, the military, a lot of people feel that they are whistle- whistleblowers and that they are now being tormented with things like invisible beams, um, voice to skull communication, the, be able to, the ability to send microwave signals to, to their head. I should have known that this was, uh, no, knowing you and what the things that you love, I should have known this is, and rather than being an actual thing, it is a thing that people think is a thing. Oh, it they are very sure it's a thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is upsetting. This is so upsetting. Um yes. Uh and then what so here's how I found this. When I created this this little group of my special friends that I follow, it started out as following people who were just hmm, how does one say right wing Trump nuts. And somehow from right wing, and I I wanted to find the the, the most balls out how does one say in a sensitive way of opinionated people uh, at an extreme wing of uh, the way that we all perceive the world and starting there, it led me into the Morgellons and chemtrails people. And once you get to Morgellons and chemtrails people, uh, you are pretty much already soaking in uh, targeted individual culture because they, a lot of these folks feel that the Morgellons are caused intentionally by the government and the chemtrails. So some of these accounts are just people posting pictures of the sky all day, stuff like that. There's definitely a very heavy pro Trump, um, component in a lot of these folks, but the ones that I've really started following recently that have started to obsess me are the ones who have found community and common cause with other people who feel that they are being, um, targeted with beams. Uh, you'll see this one lady thinks people are, are messing with her. We should not even be talking about this messing with the footage of her uh, security camera. It's a real interesting group. There's, there's definitely a lot going on. What do you think? Do you you want to follow this? Any or all this is actually real. I was prepared for you to ask me that. Mm -hmm. I do think all of my special kids are real. Mm -hmm. Now there are some, uh, S posting type accounts uh, I'm not going to say that word, but uh, cut it out, Jim posters who like to go around and just have fun with this kind of stuff. I think I've got this down to some real true believers. How do you tell? How do you tell the difference? 
How do you tell the difference? The difference I mean, between the ones the ones who are pretending to be uh, this type of conspiracy theory paranoid person, the ones who actually are. Right, 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 right. You mean like the funny, like uh, weird Twitter uh, sort of performance? Well, one is that a lot of these folks are very much in contact with each other. It is believed, according to a Vice documentary I saw, it is believed that there are at least, this sounds very conservative to me, at least 10,000 people that have this, what used to be called paranoid delusion, but to now is now is the basis for a community. How do I tell? Um, I mean, there are some that feel almost like bots because they just post the same thing over and over. And with keywords, like this one lady where she's got her harp electromagnetic frequency, where she's being abused by the U.S. military. Uh, A lot of folks taking a lot of time. This one lady, you can tell she's got a lot of videos and photos. I don't know. I just, I think it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, hmm, how do I feel about this? It scares the crap out of me, to be honest. It's, it's really, it's really terrifying. And my biggest concern is not so much that like I'm going to weird out and start having these feelings for myself, but it's it's more that I'm I now now that I've exposed myself to a lot of this, I it becomes such a simple way to explain, perhaps incorrectly, so many things that you see going on, the kinds of mass delusions that so many of us suffer from, whether we realize it or not, because we find common cause with people. It's like uh, what's what's that term? That wonderful term, uh, folie adieu. Like when two people are sharing the same like crazy delusion, it's just in this case, like this is like a whole community with support groups and stuff of people who are really convinced that people are sending beams from satellites um, to target them and keep them up all night and um, assault them. Someone's making John Roderick drink coffee at 6 p.m. Well, after we finished recording on Monday, I did take him on a fairly deep dive of this. This is how I spent my weekend, John. Does that seem wholesome? Uh, an entire weekend. Oh, on on this topic, I like, spent an entire weekend convincing him not to drink coffee at six p.m. <laughs> it I seems, was like, and that worked only a weekend. <laughs> it seems so simple. Just don't drink the coffee. Yeah, yeah. I can't do that. But, but I mean, you never really got it how you tell the fake ones are real. Because I feel like it'd be so easy to fake one of these. Like it's so it's so over the top and so straightforward. Like, but why I mean, would you, know, you do that? Why would you? Why 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 would? Because it's a thing. Like that's the thing. When there are groups of people who have some sort of you know problem or mental delusion or whatever some people's form of entertainment is to infiltrate that group by pretending to be one of them mm-hmm. and keep ramping up things to be more and more ridiculous and get entirely you know roped into that thing so that everybody in the group thinks you're one of them and then at some point i suppose spring it on them and go ha ha look at all you people that mm-hmm. is a thing so they're like um that's trolling is it's classic you know uh-huh yeah it could be and, but the thing is, if you wanted to do, or you wanted to be the most famous one and try to top everybody, you're going to post a picture of your fingernails and show arsenic poisoning. I'm going to, you know, do that 10x. I'm going to artificially at, color my fingernails. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to post a video of it. I'm going to like, and, but, but you at, don't believe but, okay, any so, of it. Yeah, you're just trying I, to be the most followed crazy person. Could be. I mean, that's what Alex Jones did. But I mean, like, you know, you look at a term like deep web. And so now we, we hear, or not deep web, um, deep state. When you hear the president, mm-hmm. uh, such as he is, talking about the deep state over and over and over, and we just we that just sloughs off of people like me because you're like, oh, what is that? What do you even mean the deep state? Deep state is a very very meaningful idea to these people who are convinced that their life is miserable because government satellites are shooting beams at them. I don't have a way to disprove it. Here's a wonderful phrase: folie à deux, um, uh, French for madness of two or shared psychosis, a psychiatric syndrome in which uh, symptoms of a delusional belief and sometimes hallucinations are transmitted from one individual to another. The same syndrome shared by more than two people may be referred to as folie à trois, 
for the quatre, for the family, or even for the plusieurs, madness of several. Uh, madness of the globe. Uh, fully amount. Yeah, I mean, this tweet's for, for, like fully amount. How would you say it? Yeah, something like that. I just woke up from you know, sleep I and had these huge bags under my eyes. What's that? Oh, come on, leave her alone. She's got to Like I woke up from sleep and I have huge bags under my eyes. It's, it's been like this. I, I'm, with not, my I'm not spending a lot of time on her because if you do go spend a lot of time on her, you're going to realize something about her about her account that you're going to find ten times more disturbing than what you're seeing right now. But I feel like it's it's just too easy to do this. Like, oh I, my god, she thinks know, there's crickets outside. There's crickets in the not crickets, the white Porsche. What about the white Porsche? Can you explain the white mm-hmm. Porsche? The white Porsche is back. I feel like someone who actually had this many parallel delusions wouldn't document them so thoroughly. Oh, and wouldn't, wouldn't, oh wouldn't, boy. Re- wouldn't like, like, let me you see. You have not followers. seen my Google Sheets. It's like, how many, how many followers here? Well, I got to check this. How many followers? Well, my, my rule for a long time was I didn't want anybody on the list who had anything but a default icon. And then I, I eventually capitulated. Because to get to the really good deep state people who are like seeking an audience. Now, so the thing is, now what you're not talking, these are all civilians for the most part. Now, there are some people out there who are basically like running a website about this. They've got like a wiki. They're explaining all the different kinds of Faraday cages that you can get, like whether is lead a good lining, you know, like all that kind of stuff. And that's a little bit more Alex Jones. That's a little bit more. There are people with like studios yeah, but, in their house. Like with Alex Jones, like it's not easy. It's not hard to follow the money. And these things are trying to figure out where the money. This person has 133 followers. Doesn't seem to be doing any product placement. Isn't selling anything. I think it's real. I think it's real. Mm. Oh, it's very upsetting. I looked up her house. Um, you're, so you're targeting her is what you're doing. I'm <laughs> My daughter and I got on Google Earth. Don't bring your kids into this. <laughs> She's so into it. They don't need to know this exists yet. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com slash diffs. Make your next move with Squarespace. Because Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and so much more. Maybe you want to create an online store, a portfolio, or a blog. Whatever it is you want to do, Squarespace is where you need to take it. Because Squarespace is an all-in-one platform, lets you do whatever you want to do. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff because Squarespace has got it covered. They also have award-winning 24 by 7 customer support if you ever need any help. They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name, over 200 extensions, pretty great. And all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great idea. I'm a huge fan of Squarespace. I use it all the time. I use it many times per week. I use it to host my personal site. I use it to host uh, the site where I post all my playlists, MerlinMbach.com uh, slash playlist. You go look it up. And of course, I use it for the uh, phony award-winning Roderick on the Line podcast. All the audio, the show notes, the photos are all there. Lock, stock, and barrel. It's the best. It's Squarespace. <laughs> Gotta check it out. Now, here's the nutty balls part. Squarespace plans start at just $12 per month. What? Can that be right? Yes, it is right. But you, you the listener, can start a free trial right now with no credit card required. You go to Squarespace.com slash diffs. Now, when you decide to sign up, use the very special offer code DIFFS, that's D-I-F-F-S, that's going to get you 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain, and it will show your support for reconcilable differences. Thank you very much. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash DIFFS, offer code DIFFS, D-I-F-F-S, 10% off your first purchase. Say it soft and it's almost like praying. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting reconcilable differences and all of Relay FM. Uh, how's it going? You having a good week? Sure. 
Man, I had occasion to listen to an old Back to Work from year one. It was right around the time your 100th episode, your last episode was on. Mm. It was a heartbreaking time. You and Marco left around the same time. Broke my heart. Yeah. Oh, speaking of that time and getting back to the beginning of this with your wife's work ramping up and her looking for a way to organize things in her life, it was a perfect opportunity for you to silently hand her a stack of three or five index cards with a binder clip on them. Yeah, you think, you think she'd like that? Speak, speaking of back to work episode seven, yeah, well, this is the situation. You know, the the the, the, uh, the, the cobbler's children have no shoes, and your wife, John's children, don't know how to your use wife Photoshop. has no way to organize her work. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like you trying to teach Photoshop. Uh, not quite, but yeah, like I mean, it's a difficult situation. Like I, she, you know, notice that she just came to you and told you what she was doing. She didn't come to you and say, "Dear husband, please advise me on how I could best organize my work." Um. Well, no. I mean, we're we've been married for a real long time. You know, we we talk to each other about stuff. Yeah, she also, said she's I feeling mean, overwhelmed with work work projects and would like to use Evernote. Can you give me a tutorial? And mm-hmm. so I wanted her. She's gonna. I'm asking her to show me how she's using it. And the one thing we both agreed on is you don't want anything that's too like over engineered. You yeah, know what I mean? I, I, like, this is she just said, uh, and, and this is the point where you spring. And this is why you should have been listening to Back to Work for the past seven no, years and no, reading no, and no, reading no, through no. forty three folders dot com because you would know everything. You I know. love that she's not doing that or, See, you're always or, trying to get her on the show i can feel it you're always trying no, to get her on no I'm, I'm i'm saying like she finally she's finally has a problem that you uh, were at one point <laughs> equipped to solve the, the problem is like that if you if she had listened to back uh-huh. to work by now she'd know that you're like you're full of it and she'd be like over your bs i'm not right? full so, of it i help a lot of people uh-huh, the problem, uh-huh. oh man used to be merlin man i did i was Where's that br- guy that guy can very help. very that guy can briefly help he grew a mustache she looks amazing um the uh yeah it's almost like i've spent spent the last 15 years looking for nails because i am the hammer mm-hmm. <laughs> is that a nail not really go back to sleep <laughs> um yeah yeah you know uh you know the uh you, you got to be careful when you talk to people you got to be careful you got to be careful not to do shtick it's real important if you do shtick when you're actually trying to help somebody in your life like it's so easy to do shtick and you don't want to do that you got to really like you got to really listen to what the person is saying and like, you know, especially if you're a man, I think it's really valuable to listen real hard and not feel the need to like take over the process with with a lot of stuff. I tried you know to I mean? do that tonight. My uh my son had uh, an assignment. It was told that he had to cover his books, his textbooks from school. Like like with grocery bags? That's just who he was told. He told me to cover his books. And he said, what do they mean, cover my books? And my wife and I said, oh, you've never done this. It's surprising that he got all the way to high school and never having to do it. I used to but love yes, doing that. Yeah, cover your books and with a grocery bag. And we explained what they mean is you're going to put a thing that looks like a dust jacket on your book to protect it. Like, well, the books yeah. are already beat up anyway, so what does it matter? <laughs> they'd, be, they'd be more beat up if they didn't have a cover, so you got to do that. And rather than me go and say, let me show you how to cover a book with a, with a grocery bag, if, yeah, you can figure it out. But uh, the two of them couldn't figure it out, and I had to go and do it. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's pretty straightforward. You do a fold here, remember. a fold there, two folds on each side, and you tape it. Yeah, my mm. wife didn't remember. Anyway. Oh, it's so fun. Yeah, so now I've got a textbook cover with a grocery bag. But yeah, la, no, la, this la. is my question. The other question <laughs> about your wife's query is, like, she, does she just want you to commiserate, or is she actually looking for advice? Um, I suspect it's the same you would ask of anybody who has exposure to a domain that's not something you feel up to date on. 
And of course, I don't feel that up to date on it either, as it turns out. But it wasn't so much coming to me as the like the 43 folders guru, but more like, hey, you know, you know, computer stuff, theoretically. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's funny because like I, I think back and I remember when I when I was working hired for money to be a project manager is when I learned one of my favorite lightweight project management tricks, which is a woman that I worked for or with used to be in publishing. And, um, and she was wonderfully ego assertive. And she's like, this is how we're going to manage this. I was like, please, by all means, show me. And she was in Excel and she's like, each for each part of this, each person or part of this is a row. Each row has columns and we have an instant view into like, you know, it's based on a publishing model. Like, has the draft been solicited? Is the person engaged? And it's just this really great, like super easy way to like incredibly lightweight way to do exactly the stuff that you need to do and no more. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you can just go in and see, like, where are we with the, you know, the November issue? And you can instantly, as long as everybody's updating that on time, it's just a great a great visual cue for what needs to happen next and what's already been taken care of. And that's just, a, that's just a, like a dumb uh, template in a spreadsheet. But it was, it was really, really, really effective. I just, I feel like these kinds of things, you can really over-engineer it. And I, I, I go way back to the, the Gantt chart days. Did you ever have to maintain Gantt charts? I did them in school, and I think I did them for real on projects a couple of times, mostly because I'd done them in school, and it seemed to me that, like, let yeah, me try it's, this it's thing applicable. that I learned Yeah, it's applicable. Yeah, and let, let me try the skill. It seems like I could use it, and it was just, like, it was not for me. Well, no. okay, well, follow me, though. I mean, we're using probably MS Project? Yes. Yeah, and so it's funny because, like, when I was coming up, and I was I really wanted to be good at project management, and I read a lot, a lot, a lot, and I sought to apply it to the work that I was doing and my own, you know, personal projects. And I wanted to be really good at it. And when it first came up, I was super into it. And I think I was using MS project and later, um, there was another Omni, one. Omni project or something, right? Before that though, like late, then? late nineties, there was one for the Mac that was way cooler to use than project. That was from a time when project was not being super well maintained. And there was this one called, not Daisy Disk, Daisy something. Anyway, it was some kind of um, a project management, like multiple modal views that could also generate a Gantt chart. And for those of you who've been lucky enough to avoid this, you know, it's a way of saying, like, if you've got a project, these, the project can be broken down into pieces. The pieces may have dependencies. And you can have something like a spreadsheet combined with a graphical representation of when the earliest start, the latest end can be, and you can sort of model how, tell me if I'm getting this right, you can sort of model uh, what a delay might mean, what a change in budget might mean. You can see it graphically. You could see it, you know, in, in raw numbers. And you can sort of model what the impact would be of making different kinds of changes along the way. But like, I, and I really wanted to be good at it. I was trying so hard, but it was like, I just remember, I've, I've talked about this before, but I just remember feeling like the, the second I had spent the hour and a half updating the Gantt ch chart, it was already out of date. Nobody looked at it but me. Nobody cared but me. They just wanted to go do their work. And I just remember feeling like this is, this is, in retrospect to me, I can see why you need that to build a bridge. But for most of the stuff that most of us do, it's so masturbatory. It requires so much overhead to generate this thing that, that may not produce that much value. Where like you do need like a ded dedicated person just to like keep up with the documentation, which you might need on a very, very, very large project. But for most like small to medium sized projects, especially involving software, do you guys use Gantt charts these days? 
No, I mean that's that's old world, you know, waterfall, waterfall style waterfall, yeah. model of that. Yeah, well, it, in effect, it's always hidden. The Gantt chart is always hidden underneath. Like, especially if you're a programmer, you see this. Like, you can dress it up ten different ways you want, but like, there's a certain certain truths to to business that are mostly unavoidable and seem stupid if you're a worker and not a manager. But it's like there's the work to be done. There's the people doing the work. And there's this whole swath of people who are better paid and more important than you who are in charge, who all, all they want to know is, is the work getting done mm-hmm. and when will it be done? And so frequently people that are, those are people like above your pay grade who are interacting with stakeholders higher up and being able or, to or like, even just, even just direct managers. It's, they just want to know what are people doing are is the thing that we think is going to happen going to happen or is it not going to happen and how far off is it going to be and there's so much energy and time and money and effort and software and hardware and everything spent just to try to get the people like and this is a bad analogy but like just try to keep them informed i think of it like when my kids are constantly asking me uh, how long is this going to take when are we going to get there it's like you knowing when we're going to get there is not going to cause us to get there any sooner or later i can't make You're, the piece i can't make the pizza appear any faster no, it's just if you're driving in the car. It's like your lack of uh, a full insight of our target time, your your lack of foreknowledge of like, tell me the future. When will we arrive? What time is it now? How long have we been driving? How much time is remaining? Whether or not you have that information does not change when we arrive. Traffic changes. All sorts of stuff right. that's out of your control sitting right, in the right, backseat. Right. And I very often feel like in any sort of work situation, all these people want to know this. And tons of people, including very often impacting the people who are doing the work, spend all this time and energy trying to get that information to other people so they can just know. It's not going to cause us to get there any sooner. And in the work situations, very often it causes us to get there later because there's some percentage of everybody's time spent trying to make sure everybody's informed up the chain yeah. about exactly what's happening and estimating and doing all this work about, oh, well, your estimates are off. Let's improve your estimates. Let's do this. It's like, for, to what end? So you know uh, you know how things are going and how they're going to turn out, but you knowing doesn't change mm-hmm. how things. Like you're not helping. No, you're, just you're, like, you're absolutely right. You know, and so that's the the pessimist. Like, what would you, what the would good you one do? is like you're supposed to be facilitating and leading and actually making you get there sooner. Like it's the good version. Well, like, of management, what do they do the, differently when they get an update? Right, like it just you, do you yell at people more? Like now I know and I can tell my people up there and I can start massaging. It's like, do you care about good work getting done in a reasonable amount of time, or do you just care about knowing what's happening and and covering your butt? You know, so mm-hmm. bad management degenerates. Like good management is not like that, and so it's not unfair to characterize it. Like that. But very often, when you're down in the trenches and you're forced to help somebody fill out some Gantt chart or some report or some status thing or whatever, it's just mm-hmm. like how how many calories are we burning as an organization? making sure people know when we're going to arrive at, you know, at grandma's house. When we could just like, just go to grandma's house. You're going to get there at the same time, whether they know or not. <laughs> we'll get to the fireworks factor when we get there. Which is bad because then it's like, well, how do I know we're doing anything? We'll never ship anything. We need to know. And so there's a million. But isn't there, I mean, you know. I, 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 I get what you're saying, but like, I don't know. Uh, I'm not even going to pose this as a question. I do think there is something very valuable to the step uh, for the project manager, anyway, whoever the for the manager of the thing, there is something valuable that points to doing this kind of stuff, though. Because well, certainly, because you don't want to run out of money, you don't want to be late, and I don't know. I just feel like I do feel like it is good to become a raving paranoiac, as I am, you know. And I think you are. I should make this a topic for the future. I'd love to talk about like what you've learned in your years inside an organization as somebody who's a technology person. But like, don't you think there's some value to helping people understand why this is difficult or costly or complex 
I mean, for somebody, somebody who's not the people in the trenches, isn't it valuable for them to understand that? Because I feel like a lot of what you run into is this fairly cold, um, somewhat rational approach of developers, but there's definitely a lot of silence you get from the developers because they just want to, they roll their eyes and want to be left alone. But I mean, don't you have to communicate the idea of dependencies and don't you have to communicate the idea that if you start adding features at this stage, you don't even have to be like a, you know, a Microsoft book, uh, rational, what's it called? Rational. What was, that, what was that great book? Remember the book rational development? Does not ring a bell. Well, there was this great spate of, uh, of programming books Things mythical man month been around a long time, but but a lot of them come down to this idea that there are certain kinds of things that are much less costly at certain points in the project than others. But wouldn't you agree that it's valuable for people who aren't the technical folks to understand why it's this way and to help them guide their decision making by understanding that, for example, if you add a very large feature with lots of dependencies while we're in the testing phase, that's going to be could be ten x more costly than if you'd added it during the kind of whiteboard phase. Don't you think that kind of stuff's valuable to pass along? Sure. Yeah. I'm mostly rallying against like what, like what management degenerates to in the worst case scenario. Good management. It does all the things that you say. Like it, it is helpful to have people managing dependencies and making sure people are working in the, in the thing they need to be working on now that like they're not wasting their time on things that aren't important or that will cause them to be later. And so there is someone who needs to know, know all the interdependencies and how things are working and roughly how things are going. Right. Yeah. Um, but, and, and facilitating it and, moving things along like that's good management it's like the white hat manager the black hat management is totally losing sight of the goal and just like getting lost in the weeds of your spreadsheets and your gantt charts and whatever whatever gantt charts aren't used anymore but like what you mm-hmm. know whatever the modern practice is getting TPL, lost like, in what we just call tps reports you're getting lost in your in, in your sprints and your story pointing and the you know like no matter whatever the trend is whether extreme programming or agile or you know, making Gantt charts or doing like whatever it is, you can, people can get lost in that. And so in the, the worst case of big business stuff is they do all go through all the motions and have all the trappings of whatever the current uh, methodology fad of the day is, but it just degenerates to uh, wanting to know what time we're going to get to grandma's house and bugging everybody about it and keeping things updated that add no value. Like you were talking about keeping things updated that, that take a lot of time and effort and add no value. And that everyone has lost sight of what it is you're actually trying to accomplish. And you're just sort of like, doing this uh doing this ritual because the ritual is what you're supposed to do and meanwhile beneath this ritual are people actually trying to get work done to accomplish something uh and the entire rest of the organization is fighting against them and making their lives miserable and everything is late and everything takes a long time and everybody's angry and that's you know mm-hmm. well where it's where it's like they're kind of for its own sake yeah it it, it's, it's, it, it degenerates like because you mm-hmm. you lose sight people people lose sight of things and i've I don't know if you connect this back up to Amazon, but I was thinking about this with the whole, whatever the latest story of Amazon, uh, delivery drivers having terrible working conditions, and putting people in cages, long hours. That was different. Yeah. Just the, what was the patent or <laughs> yeah, something? But the, for the, yeah. Cage. Patent for, for an employee cage. But yeah, the, the driver who was badly injured, they wouldn't know how many deliveries he had left. Yeah. And just keep on it. Like, yeah. So the stories like that, I mean, not that, yes, it's all awful and everything, but it's like, that is that's what uh, capitalism degenerates to uh, without any sort of constraints. Uh, all up and down the chain, people are incentivized to make sure you have, you know, like uh, you, the managers are incentivized to make sure they're very, their workers are productive. And like it, it just rolls downhill. Well, a lot of bleeping on this one. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't put if you don't explicitly, as Jeff Bezos doesn't explicitly 
counteract that with mm-hmm. actual specific actions to prevent it from happening, it will happen. He can have the best intentions at the top of that pyramid. But what will happen is that everybody at every layer beneath them, their incentives are aligned to make the people below them miserable, and the people at the very, very bottom are super miserable and are probably going to die and be in awful conditions because it's like, got to make the deliveries, got to have it on time, got to get that percentage up, got to deliver the packages, got to lower the error rate, got to, you know, like, got to make sure you work 32 hours so you're not a 40-hour employee and we reduce the pay. Like, that's where the incentives are. And if you don't do anything, if you don't explicitly have rules that say, you know, you must have bathroom breaks, you must have this, you must have that, this is the machine that you built, and it's just so... Like, I don't understand how the story keeps coming out. People are like, oh, I'm shocked by these conditions. Amazon is a bad company. Like, welcome to basic capitalism 101. Mm-hmm. If you do not install countervailing forces, this is what you get 100% of the time. It never doesn't happen. No matter how nice Jeff Bezos is, no matter how much he cares about his workers, he needs to not just be like, I'm a nice guy and I care about my workers. But now here's, here's go go forth and be productive and make money. Those Those don't mix. You have to actually have laws and rules and requirements and reward the the actual behavior you want to see and not just say uh you just got to deliver a lot of packages uh but be nice be nice out there too it doesn't work welcome to the resistance john syracuse this episode of reconcilable differences is brought to you by mac weldon you can learn more about mac weldon right now by visiting macweldon.com Friends, Mack Weldon make the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you will ever wear. And frankly, Mack Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now, unless you're like me and you're wearing Mack Weldon. Sucka! They are so confident of this, they have no questions asked return policy. Questions will not be asked. Mack Weldon are sure that you're going to be super comfortable in whatever you buy, but if for any reason you don't like your first pair, just keep them. No refund, you no questions asked. There will not be a question asked. By pairing premium fabrics, meticulous attention to detail, and a simple shopping experience, Mack Weldon delivers a new level of daily comfort straight, straight to your door. You just look right, right outside your door. There's clothes waiting for you. Mack Weldon make undershirts that stay tucked, socks that stay up, and waistbands that do not roll. Everything they make is made with premium cotton blended with natural fibers. And their website is built to get you in and out as quickly as possible. They don't want to waste your time. They know you got better stuff to do. Now, now I've told you before, I'm such a jerk for Mac Weldon. I've got so much of their stuff. I've started running out of new things to try. But this week, I'm looking at my order right here. Uh, I was recently in receipt of two new items, new to me. I got the Radius Pant in color true black size large. Don't be creepy. The Radius Pant's very cool. It's got lots of zippers, and, uh, and, and, and it fits real good. And then I also got the Intrepid Long Sleeve Polo. Well, I don't know if I'd say Intrepid. I do what I can. That's in color black and size large. Don't be creepy. Really enjoying that. I always recommend the Pima Cotton Tee, the long sleeve tee. That's a good shirt. And their white undershirts are just the best. They stay tucked in and they get my official okie dokie. Now, Mack Weldon also have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, which means they eliminate odor. And that's some cool science stuff. Not only do Mack Weldon's underwear, socks, shirts, and uh, undershirts look good, they perform well too. And they're good for working out, going to work, traveling, or just for everyday life, which is what I'm super good at is everyday life. Now, listen closely. Listeners of this show, they can get 20% off the first order. You go to MacWeldon.com and use the very special offer code DIFFS at checkout. That's D-I-F-F-S. Please go. You go to MacWeldon.com, offer code DIFFS. It's just the best. Get yourself a radiant pan, true, true black size large. Do it. Do it. Go. Our thanks to MacWeldon for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. I mean, and anyway, that, that connects that to management. It's the same yes. thing. If you if your structure if your if your incentive structures are set up, 
to make sure your Gantt chart is always up to date and uh, and people above you always know exactly how things are going to go, then that's what you'll do. And, and you know, and or to make sure you deliver something that fulfills the letter of the law without some other thing that's saying actually what we're trying to do is, you know, make products that people like and have a company that people want to work for. Yeah, but the hammer and nail problem is true for everybody. I mean, it's 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 true for the person who wants the TPS cover sheet to be this way. It's true for the husband who wants to make this about index cards. Like everybody's got the thing that they for which they are loaded for bear that that, that they can react to. And I don't know. It's, it seems like really the rare person who's able to have the, well, let's be squishy, the empathy to better understand how the way you treat the people that work for you, the people that you work for, and the customer in, in a better way. I mean, that, that's a very rare person that's able to, to you know, do that, that kind of crazy bank shot. I don't know if that made any sense, but like it's it. You run into people who are like, like you say, they're just kind of covering their butt a lot of the time, and like you can't can't rely on having the right people with like. Some people will, without any incentive structures, they they have intrinsic motivation to do the right thing, but most people don't, especially if you put them in that pressure cooker for a long period of time and they're not rewarded for that intrinsic motivation. That's not that's not a strategy of like, we'll just hire nice people who, despite all of incentives being aligned against them, will do the right thing. That that doesn't happen at scale. Ah, I sent you a video. I want to watch it after we're done recording. Did you ever see Brain Candy? Kids in the Hall? Uh, I did not. Okay. That's the one with, it's got a uh, Sedaris in it too, right? I don't know if it's got a, I don't know if it's got a Sedaris. It's mainly Kids in the Hall. Uh, and I think it's about uh, a farm, pharmaceutical company. But, you know, it's, it's a lot of wackadoo. This is one of my, uh, one of my, I remember this being one of my favorite uh, scenes in the movie where Mark, oh God, it's one of the, Mar- the one of the Max, Mark McDonald, Mark McKinney, Mark McConnell, <laughs> the guy Canadians. here, he's basically, he's basically doing Lauren Michaels, but <laughs> I haven't watched this yet, but it's basically this thing where he makes this big announcement and he says this thing and then he, he turns to Dave Foley and he's like, so uh, where are we with that? And he goes, where are we with what? Where are we with that project? <laughs> so, you mean the thing that you just mentioned? He goes, yeah. Where mm-hmm. are we with that? <laughs> Tim Cook did that. Why are you still here? That's how I f- used to feel in lots of meetings. It's like, you're just like, you're just a big, dumb bag of meat in a suit. And you're just like looking <laughs> for something to manage. Uh, we'll watch yeah. it together after the show. But you know, for, enough of that wallowing in hypocrisy. We have all kinds of exciting things to talk about. We got this document that's out of control. control, 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 control. Are you going to beat me up about homework? Uh, so the reason I made a new, new homework section, section called homeworks, homework full colon. Yeah, I didn't know quite where to put it, but like I noticed that we had a lot of things down yes. there. I didn't want to lose. I didn't want to lose them. Uh, our <laughs> list of things because they were a bunch of random line items that uh-huh. were like. <laughs> Has John seen this? I'm going to read the sections of this document so our listeners can know what I'm dealing with right now. When you're done, when you're done. All right, you're right. Anyway, it, was a smart, that, it was a smart idea. Where do we stand on that? Yeah, well, so I didn't, we didn't, I didn't want it to be there, the homework section to be there as like a, a to-do list staring well, at you and making you the, feel bad. At the, it's under the H1, so you've put it real high up on the page. I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know where to put it. Here's the problem with this document. Oh, my right. God, this document. The problem with this document is I... I kind of know the system that you use, but I don't have a good algorithm for executing the system. The system being that 
You're we have, in search of a hammer. <laughs> no, we, ha- we have a bunch of sections, and then we have many topics, and then we have topics. And when we've done a show, I like... You, I pluck it out and I drop it down below in the pasted in yeah, area. But, what, but you pluck out like the things from the show, like follow up and titles and stuff like that. And you pluck out the topics that were on the show, but then you leave the rest. Like there's no good system for get the get the document ready for the new show that doesn't involve like okay. a whole bunch of careful co- copying and pasting. Okay. It's I think a complicated we need, I think we need, bad I, We need more sections. Okay, this, these are the sections that we've got right now. <laughs> Homework, pre-show. Post show, production notes, follow up, front matter, links, titles, discussed, description, mini topics, and topics. All right. And how many I've sections added did about I half make? of those? About I half of those are mine. Homework, follow up, and topics. And as far as I'm concerned, that's all you need. <laughs> no, you need front matter. You, you need added links. front matter, which you is your thing. You never add fun. links. You always make you, me your monkey boy. I encourage you. You, look you at added this. links. You look added at the titles. First you bullet added under discussed. production notes. The first bullet under production. I take time away from my family to go and draft the, I draft it in the CMS so you could use the bookmark that God gave you. I say, how many sponsors? You never, you never add links. You say, you say it to me like I'm a monkey do. boy. I do, I add them. You don't, what you don't notice is I add them directly in the Relay CMS. You do that? Very often after the episode has been published because oh, I couldn't get around Thank to it. Thank you so much, John. But I have, I have definitely added links uh, to very many shows. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. You do that. I add them directly to the CMS. I feel wow. bad because I went, I know, especially after something's published, people's podcast players don't like update the links or whatever. No, but I they just, don't. They've already downloaded that to their podcatcher. Yeah, I got the pre-show, the post-show, production notes. I put things. Anyway, but, that's, but that's not the problem. Like I said, the problem is that we will do a bunch of the top sections and we'll pluck something from many topics and many topics. And when it's time to make a new episode, <laughs> do you just copy and paste the top third of the document and then like carefully do you delete care? the things? I'm asking you, I'm asking what, what, what my daughter asked me. Dumb I care questions. because do you I, care? Would, I would like to prepare the notes for the next episode, but it's oh. so onerous and I'm not sure that I'm not messing up your system. Oh, that I know I'd I don't, love to don't help, do but it it's so much work. No, I've tried to do it a few times, but I did, it's, it's a bad system. So let me, let me tell you some alternate systems, right? Oh, my God. The, the system we use in ATP oh is after the show is published, we just delete everything that we talked about on that. We leave the section static. I we cut just it out it. and I paste it down below so we can see it. You, right, you see right. that it's so a trap there? You can the, see the it. The second reasonable there. system is after an episode, yeah. you just push everything down and make a whole new empty section for the new show. And then you just push down, push down, push down. So you oh, can paste the same template from scratch. Right. But this is the worst of both worlds. Instead of deleting or pushing down, it's a uh hybrid. It's a complicated manual hybrid. No, it's the middle place. It's neither good nor bad. It's fine. It's fine. I go in, it's, it, you, I can't believe what I do for you. I go in and I, I, I change all of the things. I add foo next to a bullet. So it's still a nice foo every time you do that. Because then you're going to lose the bullet. No, you don't lose the bullet. You put like, this is what you do. You put foo. three or four bullet points. Foo. One of them says foo next to it. That's right. That's right. Because you I can put something there. everything, including no, the word foo. foo and now you just have you double click the point. foo, you can just start typing. Do you make sure you it's unbolded? You don't double click. You're, you're just an old person. Just I go and, sh- I go and make sure it's unfolded. Get your little pink cursor out of my area. I'm in this area. You leave now. You leave now. All you need is a single bullet point. Look under the links. I can just click next to the bullet and start typing. I click next to titles and start typing. I click next to the stuff and start. You don't need three bullets. You don't need the word foo. Look how much easier that is. It's so not it says, easier. You got to double click the word food. Just leave it. <laughs> leave it. No, come on. Because then all you do is double click it and paste. But why do you have to double click? You just put a single click and then paste. But then single it's so click. easy. If you accidentally, if you da- accidentally backspace, you lose your bullet. And then if you had a food there, Who's you'd be fine. Accidentally backspacing. Don't hit the People backspace key. Accidentally backspace. It why? happens. It's so far away from the letter keys. It's You're away not from using command this on an iPad, v. are you? 
an iPad. Check your, your privilege. <laughs> You're sitting in front of a computer. You've never noticed when I have three different cursors in here because I'm using it on three different devices at the same time. Uh, you, oh you no, you wouldn't notice that because uh, Prince John only shows up once Merlin's uh, made the notes perfect. No, I I fixed your notes by the time we all show you up. I mostly notice when you triple clicking a line and repeatedly selecting. You delete my foos and you endanger my bullets. You do that. Uh, but you no, but I use them. Google. I use Google Docs on iOS. Why are you? Why do you think you're in danger of deleting the bullet? You just you, well, it'd be frustrating because then because the problem is then it inherits the wrong style. But what? How are you deleting the bullet accidentally? Well, it happens. But then if it inherits the wrong style, then you got to start over. I went through this with my daughter's homework. If you got foo <sighs> there, you know what to hit. You, you go. You go in. See if it says foo. Like where we are, where your little pink cursor is. See, I type that. I go click that. You're gonna delete it, aren't you? <laughs> but why are you doing that? Why don't you just single, single you tap? Because you know where it goes. Place, you know where it goes. Single tap, place the insertion point. Look, look how I can do it. Look, every one of these sections, I single tap. I'm ready around to type. In there. Look at you go. Look at you go. I'm ready to type on uh-huh. any of these sections. Yeah, but like, like, like here. Like, what if, what if I'm here and I accidentally backspace? Now, but why are you backspace? So you got to foo. You select it and then you make it, it a bullet. Undo. Oh, now see now shake, it's injected. That never would have happened if I hadn't. If I'd had kept my original foo there, I would not have a problem. No. Foo bar fast bat. Let's move on. We're going we're gonna to fix this. You know what? Okay, here's the challenge. Oh, look at this. I'm going up here. Look at me. I'm Merlin. I'm changing this. I'm going in and see. John makes the fancy document, which I misspelled, document he craves. There you go. That's your homework. I'm going to bold it. I'm going to bold it. I'm going to give it an I. And right under that, I'm going to say foo. So now i got room to put a new thing. <laughs> it's not... It's less fancy. And also, I, w- I would probably endorse the, uh, well, the pushdown system would be if you want to keep making this document longer and longer and have all the old shows. The delete system is the simplest. It's 122 pages. What's the oldest thing we've got in here? Oldest thing we've got in here is episode 17. Merlin watched the game. That's the oldest thing in here. Don't back touch the used, banana. Back when you used to watch things that I suggested. What typeface is this? Oh, it's back when it was still Verdana. No, there's Verdana up here in this. Is in it the little Verdana? What too. about Nunito? You ever use Nunito? No. Oh, let me show you what it looks like. Check this out. Try Nunito. This is what I do on my no, stuff. No, don't change here. the whole thing. It's eh, madness. Eh, come on, it's easy. Nunito, Nunito. Oh, no, where is it? We haven't used it well, recently. But you're going to get rid of this. There's Verdana in, in this document is what okay, I'm telling there we you. Go. No, What's that's up? no good. Pacifico? You don't like that? What up? They have Mistral? Oh, this look good in Mistral. Let me see what this looks like in Mistral. Also, you know, I kind of fell off putting, uh, that's in Montserrat. I don't know if they have Mistral. Oh, look at lobster. Oh, that looks so fancy. Yeah, look this, at that. This is all Verdana. Did you realize this whole section is all Verdana? I guess so. Yeah. All right. Anyway, let me talk a little bit more about the homework section. The, like I said, I did, the reason I wanted to put them is I didn't want to lose them, but don't feel any more or less uh, compelled to actually complete any of it. It's just there so we don't oh, lose sorry, track homework. of it. That's my homework, it. not my daughter's homework. Yes. yes. Okay, sure, this, sure, sure. No, home- no. This John, homework section John, real is talk, just so I we don't lose track of it. I want to I I stipulate we have our fun here. But I think this is a good section. I think it's a good idea. Because I didn't want it to mix into topics and many topics and we we're going to lose stuff. I have some follow-up on one of these. Okay. So but do you have it on the actual one follow-up item ad, which is why are we oh, sorry, let me do add some homework? Follow-up Merlin bot from the sky down. See, I was going to say, the reason I was bringing this up is because 
it's not a very good documentary. I just mentioned it because I it's one of those things like I I'd seen. I was like, oh, you, have you seen it? No, you might want to take a look at it. It's a weird. I'm curious look about why it was made so many years after. Oh, t- t- tell tell our audience what From the Sky Down is. Please. It is a documentary about U2 that is ostensibly telling the story uh, many, many years after the fact of how they made the album Octung Baby. And I mostly found it fascinating as a as a scholar of U2, as someone who has listened to tons of U2 music and read many books about them or watched many documentaries, that they're still kind of enigmatic as individuals and seeing them in a new context, seeing a new documentary about them. I'm sure it is no closer to the reality of them than any of the other things that I've seen about them, but it was different than all the other things I've seen. So I feel like I'm, I'm, you know, sketching an outline by blacking out regions, eventually revealing the shape of these weird people who are actually U2. And as a big U2 fan, uh, I found it interesting. As a movie, it's probably not very good. Uh, but it was it's one was of those things like that I'd forgotten that I even suggested. an anniversary? I don't, I don't even know. Like you just, it, it, it's fairly inexplicable and not particularly good. But I feel like if you're interested in the people that make up you two, it is interesting to see how they perform in this documentary about this. What was clearly a difficult time for the band. That is that much is clear from all the uh, all the history, and anyone knows anything about the band. It's still not entirely clear exactly the source of the difficulty and how they came out of it, but there are many stories. That, that seems like a, kind of an important thing to settle. Well, there, there are stories. There are stories that can be the story the band tells themselves, the story the band tells the outside world, what actually went down, who knows. They're very enigmatic as far as I can tell. All, like all four of them? It seems like a couple of them are enigmatic. All of them, because I feel like, I, I, I personally feel like I have, I'm still not close to the actual people that they okay. are. Like some, you some think celebrities, doing, like a, you see, kind of a character inhabiting a yeah, character or that they're that they're necessarily guarded like it probably was the same deal with the beatles if i had been alive when they were alive like that they're they're so so trained and so protecting against the world that even a thing that's supposed to be like a documentary about them where that you're given exclusive access that they're never going to be or reveal their true selves mm-hmm. in important ways I totally. mean, if anything i feel like some, sometimes like the younger they are the more likely you're to catch a glimpse of the real them and the older they get the more it's like hidden underneath a hundred layers anyway it's inter- it was interesting to me it's not a particularly good movie and that's why i suggest like <laughs> you know it's of all that like it's not like you should feel some urgency to watch this because it's like oh, no, you i'm glad to it's in there for the reserve yeah. viewing and I also thought of it because you talk about all the the weird music. I video, watch a lot of music videos documentaries. about music that you yeah. watch. We were talking about that with John Roderick. It's like this. All right, well, this is probably like those. You know, yeah. No, I, I on your recommendation, I bought it uh, a while back. It's weird what isn't isn't on the iTunes store, but yeah, you know, I've got it. I should watch that. Um, I got a couple other ones before that I'm supposed to watch. You've got uh, the hypocognition article. You've yeah, got the hip I, parade. I've forgotten about that one. No, it's the really short. Parade, Don't worry. Parade, I feel like it's not fair. That is an entire section of a website. It's not like one article. Do you, I, do you want me to choose one episode? Oh, is, are they podcasts? I went to the page. Yes. There was like a hundred things. Slate's pages. Slate's whole treatment of, mm, how shall I say? I don't want to make Gabe mad. Um, mm, sl- uh, mm, Slate's handling of podcast is odd. Their detail pages are strange. They seem to not have much of a permalink page. It's a it's a strange for something they're taking so seriously. I wish they'd do it a little bit differently. Hit me up, Gabe or Andy. Um. So anyway, hip is really good. I think you'd like the guy. I think you'd like the guy. I'll try the REM episode. I well, that's a two parter. You know what? You you might check out the Elton John and George Michael episode. That's also mm-hmm. a very good one. No, try the. Oh, here you go. Here you go. Let's make it easy. 
Uh, this, is, this is called uh, Agile. Go and just listen. Try the first REMB 52s and see what you think. I might already have this in my in uh, my overcast from hmm. a previous recommendation. I just I didn't real I literally didn't realize these were these were podcasts. I thought each one of these was an article. Uh, well, he also writes a lot. Oh wait, did I go to the? I might have gone to the wrong area. No, no you no, did. Now I see the little little speaker icons next to them. Yeah, this is not good, you guys. And sometimes sometimes you hit the permalink in overcast, and it just goes to the slate.com homepage. That's no good. Other people don't think about show notes as much as. I do mostly. I like when somebody has an editorial POV. Now, does Casey do it for your show? He's the he's the show notes guy, right? No. Who's the show notes guy? Oh, you mean like right the the ones that are on the like who the, who, who, the who collects it and then puts it into yeah, Squarespace? So, okay. <laughs> this is the show notes problem. This has been mentioned ATP a few times. We call two different things the show notes. One is the document that we're staring at right now, and the second. Oh, sorry, is, the show notes for the episode. I mean, yes, for and they're them. both called show notes, which doesn't make any sense, but it is the vocabulary we've evolved. Yes, the ones they attach to the episode, uh, Casey does for the most part. He does a pretty good job with that. I mean, he's got a, he's yeah. got a way that he does it. That's that's pretty consistent that I like. And si- similar to our things, I occasionally go in there after the fact and tweak things and no one notices or cares except me. Well, you do it after the episode's up. Like, who's going to notice it? Nobody's, sometimes nobody's, I catch a people. But ATP sometimes I explain I catch a, a, a concept called inbox zero to you. Nobody's going back to an area that's a finished thing to check on how it's going. Well, so Overcast will actually download these show notes fresh. So if I do, do if it's it a an new, hour if it's a episode, new download. Yeah, yeah, and and any podcast player before they pull the episode, if I get the edited in the first hour or two, and their podcast player hasn't pulled the episode, they'll get my edits there too. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Obscura Two, the iPhone camera app for photography enthusiasts. Obscura Two is designed to make it fast and easy to capture stunning images. It has everything you need to do just that. There are options to use manual focus, exposure, white balance, and more. And they have great use of Taptics on all the latest iPhones. It almost feels like you're using a real DSLR. Whether you're shooting in portrait or landscape, all of the buttons you need are right there in Obscura 2's control wheel. It's designed to fit exactly where your hand will be. It's super ergonomic with everything accessible with just one thumb. Obscura 2 also features a selection of custom-made, beautiful filters to add style to your images. It also captures raw, live photos and depth data, as well as JPEG and HEIC. And it lets you look at all the image data, metadata too, so that's pretty cool. If that's ever something you need, I love the metadata. It's beautiful. The library feature in Obscura 2 is also really powerful. It allows you to edit, share, favorite, hide, and delete photos right from inside the app. So if you're a keen iOS photographer, or if you just like to take snaps of friends and family, you need to check out Obscura 2. And here's the thing. If you hurry, you can actually get Obscura 2 for free until September 25th. So please go, rush, go. You grab your iPhone, open the Apple Store app. Okay, this is where you might have pre-ordered your phone. You go to the Apple Store app, you scroll to the bottom, and you tap on promo. Scroll to the bottom, you'll see an Obscura 2 banner right down there. Now, please note this promotion is only available in some locations. Now, if you want, I have to tell you, this is made by a friend of mine, my friend Ben. Full disclosure, I know Ben. Ben has photographed me. He's a very good photographer. He's a very good developer. And this is a beautiful app. So if you want to support Ben who is the developer of Obscura, check out the filter packs too, available via in-app purchase. There's some wonderful options out there. It's a great way to throw a few bucks to the Obscura team for the great work that they do. Our thanks to Obscura 2 for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Um, We've been talking for quite a long time. Um, We've got, I added a mini topic. Um... 
we've got a topic. We've got a couple topic topics you moved around. I need I need some about, about the aftercare homework situation. Any movement on that? We're doing still mostly like stealth under the radar stuff. Uh, a new thing I do in life is pick my daughter up every day now early. <laughs> it's uh, a day like today. It's like a it's as they say a lot. <laughs> um, but that's what we're still doing, and um, I'm. I love having the extra time with her. I love her having the time, but we have, what I'm trying to get at is we have not addressed this with the principal yet. The group that has been brought in to do the aftercare program is under her aegis. Like it's her project. So we have found out that it is her that we need to talk to about it. And I've been just mulling it over and kind of trying to get out of my head about it to not be emotional about it. But what, what I can best tell at this point is that, this program is run by a well-known national organization that is known amongst other things for athleticism and activities. They somehow want this to be this weird admixture of like, well, first of all, it starts school is over 10 minutes after school has ended. You go to a classroom for an hour and do classroom assignment stuff. Isn't that fun? You just been in school for six hours. You go 10 minutes after school is over. You're in a classroom doing some kind of a project thing. And then there's lots of physical activity. You get out and do physical activity. There is a time that has been allotted for people to do homework for a study hall type situation that does not begin till a half hour after the time that we typically pick up our kid. But if you are one of those kids that's there till 6 p.m., you can start, you can do homework starting at 4.30. So All right, well, that's not entirely unreasonable. It's, it's not, not like homework not is banned. It's just the time slots don't line up. It's not super reasonable. But we're dreading well, having this conversation because this is a group that comes in and does a thing. And yeah. I, I'm really kind of dreading the sort of like having to like try and persuade them to do this thing that they obviously don't want to do. Yeah, you can't fight City Hall. It's a system. You can't, but like I said to my wife, you know, we're just, we were talking about this yesterday morning. It's like, I, I was telling her about you and your kids. And I said, I feel... I didn't realize how lucky I was for what we pay for this to have aftercare at the same school. Now, John's kids used to have to get on a bus to go to somewhere else. Like, no, I don't know why you got that in your head, but they don't, they don't have to go to uh, a well, Didn't you tell me that? Didn't the middle to- school one, the elementary school one they'd walk to is on the same campus as the elementary school. The middle school one, yes, they had to get on a bus. Well, in any place. case, I feel very fortunate that it was, it's very affordable. Um, it wasn't very well run, but now I miss it because that was such a great, I don't know. We, uh, I will, let's, let's table this until we have talked to the principal about it. But I have to tell you, as I sit here, my hopes are not high. But you're talking to the principal about it. This the is prin- like, the why does the principal program. have any control over, this is like a third party, like a vendor. The does third this, right? party is hired by her and she mm-hmm. is technically right. the man. It is her project. Okay. So, I mean. I ordinarily wouldn't turbo in that particular way, except I think that that turboing is appropriate. I can keep picking her up at two, but look, I don't think that's ideal for anybody. Like a day like today, back to work ends at, you know, one. Mm. <laughs> it's like, you gotta, you so, gotta come down from that. It takes energy. Like it does. You talk to Dan for 90 minutes, it takes some energy. Mm-hmm. Then I gotta talk to you. I gotta get my pho at some point. We gotta mm. do homework, you know? Now I'm also on homework detail. So it's like, anyways, um, we'll, we'll find out more. But uh, I continue to get good input um, and responses, mostly really people from writing into Back to Work about it. But it's been very interesting to hear back from people about both this homework thing and the standardized testing thing. And um, for what it's worth, thank you to everybody who's written in with that information. It's been uh, good to hear. Strangers with candy. That's the one with Amy Sedaris, not brain candy. <laughs> That's the confusion. Chipotle, Fandango, Hobo Camp. 
That's a very funny show that had the Stephen Colbert on it hmm. and Paul Danilo. She's very funny. She's a very funny lady. You like Maria Bamford? I bet you don't. I bet you don't like Maria Bamford. I probably don't know who that is. I have to see the person. Good for you. Like good with names. Can, you, can I do my quick mini topic? Uh, or do you want to go straight to one? topic topic? Sure. Yeah, no, go for it. Okay. So uh, I kept hearing about Succession on HBO. And uh, I had watched part of the first episode. I thought, hmm, yeah, this looks like okay TV. What, what is it about? I haven't heard of the show. Succession is about a... It, it's somewhat... How can you put it? It's somewhere like between the Trumps and the Murdochs. So basically there's this uh, guy <clears throat> who has played by Brian Cox, the wonderful Brian Cox, who's a guy in his 70s who has created this giant uh, media company. They have theme parks and TV stations, and it's kind of basically Fox in some ways. And he's got one, two, three, f- four kids. And it's basically, uh, without spoiling any of it, uh, it's kind of like, well, what happens now that he's getting old? What what is the as they say succession for how this will be handled? Um, I don't say any more than that. It's probably not your kind of show. Although I would say maybe give the first episode a try. Ooh, it's got it's got a Culkin. It's got a super good Culkin. It's got it's got the lady from Predestination who was amazing in Predestination. Uh, it's got this Siobhan Roy. Uh, that's the name of her character. Yeah, Shiv they call her. Oh, that's the character, not the uh, not Shiv, the, uh, Shiv, the Shiv, actress. Shiv's Sarah. the character, but yeah, that's the lady who's well, no spoilers, but she's S- in Predestination. Sarah Snook. She was terrific in Predestination. She's very good in this. There's this real Donald Trump Jr. kind of guy, and then you got Ruck. Ruck's in this one. The classic Alan Ruck is in this. Yeah. And that's the yeah. four oh, kids. Look, look at that gray hair. You think this is I know. gray hair? I think it's totally real. Yeah. Oh, anyway, it's a very, very good show, uh, and it's one of those things where, like, duh, everybody's been saying since, like, June how good this show is. I really am enjoying it. I'm shotgunning mm. two a night. I should check this out. You should check it out. Um, but, okay, so here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Comes up. You see some kind of ad for the deuce, and then, then the show comes up. It's in a very, very dark room, right? Uh, HBO. Very, very dark room. The patriarch has to go to the bathroom. And, okay, it's the first three seconds of this show, and I'm ready to lose my god mind because – and I'm screaming at my wife. I'm like, put your glasses on and look at that screen. Am I crazy or is that like the most wild-ass 8-bit-looking banding you have ever seen in your life? Because it's a dark room. And I swear, I don't just call it uh, banding, artifacts, I don't know what, but it looked like a, maybe a 16-bit image. Like, you could see there were, like, <laughs> six distinct bands of gray. It was not at all anything near what I would consider HD. Uh, anyway, the show's really good. But then I was also thinking, like, how I get frustrated with Game of Thrones, where I feel like Game of Thrones has a lot of, like, a lot of uh, movement on screen that it can't seem to keep up with. Whereas if you watch the Blu-rays of Game of Thrones, it looks amazing. So here's my question to you, John Syracuse. Is it just me? (laughs) Or do HBO, A, do HBO shows have just terrible compression artifacts and banding? And then kind of related to that, B, do you notice a difference in the quality that you get from various streaming sources, channel to channel, service to service? Or even in that case, like, I don't know what... Amazon Prime's idea of HD versus iTunes idea. Do you notice differences in quality? And is it just me that HBO looks like hot garbage? So it's not just you, although having a fancy TV actually exacerbates the problem because now you can really, really see how awful it is. Um, dark, do you, but you, see, you know what I'm saying about dark scenes? Like, no, I, I 100% know what you're talking about. This, okay, is okay. A, this is a real thing that maybe people who have a bad vision or not very good TVs or don't care or don't notice wouldn't, you know, wouldn't see. There is a difference between different things uh, i mostly see it in 
differences between channels? Like my my understanding of and how this you're, works you're is mostly, that, you're mostly a cable guy. Yeah, the cable companies very often choose to jam more channels into a, uh, some limited amount of bandwidth to mm-hmm. sell you more channels in this big package. And it's not, you know, it would be better if they showed you fewer channels and use more bandwidth for them. But in general, their algorithms uh, are not up to snuff and they heavily compress the channels to fit more of them in. The one that used to really kill me was AMC apparently is in some part of the band on my cable where they're really shoving lots of channels in that section. Oh, it's super crowded. So Walking Dead looks weird. Yeah, well, it was this was Mad Men back in the Mad Men era. It was like this is such a a beautiful show. This is a very high-profile show. It's like there. It, it is. It was at that time so clearly their most popular show, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and ever and it's getting big numbers, and it looked the worst of any channel or any show on my entire television. And it, you know, so that's what, can you tell the difference? Yes, because I would watch an HBO show and it would look better than the AMC show. Both of them look pretty bad. Video streaming services, I think, in general, they have the potential and sometimes the reality to look better than cable. Because they don't have to take a, a fixed amount of bandwidth and divvy it up. They can send you the video at whatever rate they're willing to send it to you. So if, right. if, you're, if your connection is not the limit, and if they're not being stingy, they can send you a better signal with better algorithms, especially when like cable companies weren't yet on the H.264 bandwagon. It was still all MPEG-2 or whatever, I think probably is in a lot of places. That the web-based services could send you H.264 of a better quality than you would get on cable. So I think at this point... Depending hmm. on the channel, cable actually can be worse than streaming services. But depending on the streaming hmm. service, if they're being stingy on the streaming service and trying to send you something crappy or your connection is bad, you can get it even worse there. But and there should noted, be something there should be something consistent about your given connection. Even if it's something where the Comcast is monkeying with it, it seems like there should be some internal consistency, especially with something like Netflix, where these are all so many of these are shows that have been posted in the last year in 4K. Right. But, but it's not like there's a file on Netflix that they're sending you and everyone's getting the same file. They dynamically adjust the oh, bandwidth yeah. constantly. There's a hundred different versions that you're being sent to different snippets of different quality depending on exactly mm-hmm. what's going on in the connection at the time. So you could watch a show on Netflix and over That's the course true. of the show you get totally different, you know. I think they might even switch algorithms. Back in the early days they were definitely doing that. I'm not sure if they still do it now. But that's changing all the time from moment to moment. So it's really difficult to tell. And like you said, Blu-ray... Highest quality, don't have to worry about it changing in the middle. It is what it is. <laughs> it's you just thousands, up... it's thousands of pictures, like exact full pictures. Nah, <laughs> it's not what it is. It's still, it's still nah. a, a, a compressed thing. When we watch just Miyazaki, like when we watch Miyazaki, when you know we watch them on the Blu-ray, and it's watching Ponyo. I say Ponyo in particular. Anything with a lot of water in it. Oh boy, is there ever a difference? Yeah, the, the, it's just because they use a higher bit rate. That's it, right? It's still okay. a compression algorithm that, that you know... Well, higher bit rate, but it also can get through the pipe faster. Like, you can't get... If you're watching something with a lot of water in it on... You know what I'm saying about water, but anything where there are leaves, if you're watching Hero, the wonderful movie Hero, like, where there's so much movement happening on screen, that not that partly bandwidth as well as bit rate? It's all it's all the compression algorithm. Like you mentioned, the HBO static thing, like the little logo they had from back when we were <laughs> all watching looked, on which CRTs. Which looked better on cable in the nineties? Well, uh, well, so white static, like that we know from our childhood, when you'd have a television not tuned to a station, that black and white total you know, total static, randomness. Mm-hmm. That is the worst case scenario for compression algorithms because yep. they want to find similarities between frames. And they want to find regions that look the same. And black and white static 
every frame is entirely different from every other frame and there's no uniformity in it. And so that looks the worst of anything you could possibly compress. And leaves are just a slightly less bad case of that. Lots of little leaves moving around. There's not a lot of similarity from frame to frame. The compression algorithm does a worse job of making coherent pictures out of it. If you have higher bit rate, then it will just spend more bits putting details in each one of the things. But it's not Video is not a series of pictures one after the other in terms of compression algorithms. It's way more complicated. Than that's that. what Bottom the meant. It's if you you should look up some stuff about like B frames and all this other complicated mumbo jumbo. But the all bottom right. line is, if you have more more bits to spend, like for one minute of video, if if you have ten megabytes to spend, if you have a hundred megabytes to spend, if you have a gigabyte to spend, that makes a big difference in how it looks uh, when you have something like static or leaves or whatever. So Blu-ray is your best bet. Blu-ray doesn't change based on your connection because it is what it is off the disk. That is the case where you were literally reading a compressed file off a disk, decoding it and playing it. And it's going to look the same every single time. Um, but that is not true of cable or streaming services, which may look different from moment to moment in a show, let alone from day to day, uh, which is depressing but true. And yes, shows with dark areas have like incredible banding. And it's just pretty horrendous. And if you have a good TV, you can really, really see it. Some televisions have algorithms where they try to fuzz that banding for you i could see i well i have a i followed all the what is it m ratings or what's the site what's the site everybody things it's called ratings yeah yeah but i i've i I mean i've done a pretty good hopefully syracuse-esque setup but i'm sure there are ways that you could say be more promiscuous with how you spread out these bands but We've got it's set not, pretty dark. It's more like it's, it's a, it's a, there are features to compensate for that banding specifically. There's a couple of calibrators who show how they, it's really, it's more, it's more subtle than you would imagine because they're showing like differences in, in differences in calibrating the television and like the noise reduction and blending and stuff to get slight differences between the same panel and different sets. But, well, I mean, like for example, I, I am one that really jumped out. Oh, shoot. What's the name of the show? The Jonathan Groff, um, killer mystery show, Mester. Mindhunter? You know, Mindhunter. I remember it. maybe, maybe I don't know if that's maybe one of the first 4Ks that we watched on our TV, but Mindhunter looks really, really good. And there's a lot of scenes that happen at night are in very dark, dark things. I just remember thinking, wow, it's incredible that like there could be so much, that that white could pop so hard uh, with, you know, with HD, HDR and, and 4K. You just, you, you, it just looks exquisite, like a wet street at night can look really, really amazing. It's just, it's strange to start this really, really good show that's probably going to win some Emmys and stuff. And it's just, it really, it looks like, I don't know. It looks like, it looks like an image somebody uh, made with windows in like the early 2000s. It's the strangest thing. So the good news is that this will all get better over time as you move from MPEG-2 to H.264 to H.265 and bandwidth increases. All this Aren't leads to... are you pessimistic to... about net, net, uh, the net neutrality rule? Like what's going to happen with that? Oh, uh, that's a separate issue. Uh, there'll hmm. always be, th- there are incentives to be able to send better quality video to people. It's just a question of whether you have no choice of who sends you the video and if you have to pay through the nose for it because of stupid uh, practices that are in violation of net neutrality. Um, but technologically speaking, there is a clear path forward to either give you better picture quality with the same bandwidth or more bandwidth or both. And so I think things will get better. But yeah, right now it's, it's pretty awful. So you can see some pretty awful banding in many situations. You ever watch any of the uh, test videos on Netflix? You ever seen uh, those? A couple of them. I know. I know they're out there. I couple. Uh, I was one of them. I'll, I'll put in notes. I have my own test video. My own uh, twenty-four frame per second cadence test video. Uh-huh. I wish uh, that Netflix might have that somewhere. I don't remember where I originally got it, but it's basically like a like a clock face, like a it's a black screen with a white sort of. It's not a clock face, but a white circle with like a, a clock hand that goes around in it. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and I think there's 24 positions that it goes in, you know, starting from position one and going oh, so you'd all see if it was stuttery or something. And so if you take a exposure, take a one second exposure, because it takes one second to go around. If you take a one second exposure, what you should see with like a camera, just leave the shutter open for one second. Mm-hmm. What you should see is a picture showing a circle with uh, like a clock hand in 24 different positions. And every clock hand should be exactly the same brightness, because what you want is to see. It doesn't really matter where the clock oh, hand starts. You just want to see. That's, a, that's such a primitive, brilliant way to do that. To say, you can know that your your television showed the clock hand in position one. If it's not like flawlessly sharp, if it's mushy, then something's not right. No, not mushy. You want to see the clock hand pointing up and then the clock hand pointing to – you want to see all those clock hands. And they all have to be okay. exactly the same brightness because if they're not the same brightness, that means your television showed the clock hand in one of the positions longer than it showed it in any of the other positions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Correct 24 frame per second cadence shows each – frame for one twenty-fourth of a second so they should all be the same brightness if you have a television that's showing frame one two times and frame two three times and frame one because it's doing three two pull down or whatever you will see bright dim bright dim bright dim all around the clock face and you know your tv screwed up hmm is that something you could uh link to or is it on your uh, your private place I, I can send it to you the, the the annoying part is it's one of those things it's like oh can i just do this like yeah now go get a tripod and set it up in front of your television and figure <laughs> out how to leave your camera shutter open for a second because you can't like hold your iphone up <laughs> and do it. Like, you know what i mean you yeah, have to no, have... you're getting into some deep hobbyist stuff there right and i wish there was a better way to show 24 frame per second cadence but like this is the foolproof way to test it because there's no here's some netflix no test here you go here's some netflix test patterns put those in the show notes Ooh, exciting. Yeah, there's lots of stuff. You and and they, have, they have the ones that are like, uh, that have the words of what bandwidth and resolution and everything it is. is are these the same yeah, things? Like it, well, I've, I've, I haven't done this in years, but there's the one where like you see the stuttery thing at the bottom. It's a live update on how fast it's downloading. You can like test your yeah, connection. Yeah. Those are cool. You know, while we're at it, let's also put in, you ever look at the crazy Netflix categories? Have we talked about that on here? Uh, yes, I have. There's like thousands and thousands and thousands of categories. They are humorous. They are super specific. I always wonder, like, like, Canadian archery movies starring women. mm -hmm, Starring women (laughs) with brown hair. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) She's not a hunchback. I want to go home and watch Succession. I want you to watch Succession. I want you to tell me what it looks like to you. Yeah, HBO shows like that I tend to 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 grind through real quick. Oh, I'll I'll make I'll make one. We're talking about TV shows. I'll make one other TV show. Yeah, uh, recommendation. Well, recommendation. Yeah, I don't know. I, do you do you like Stephen King at all? Oh, is this Castle Rock? Yeah, yeah. You know, Dan recommended that. Um, I I I, I am I've only ever read I think Night, Night Shift and his book mm-hmm. about writing are the only things I have his I can remember reading all the way through. I love yeah. Night Shift. He's the, he, Stephen King is, is a thing. Night Shift like might as well have been uh, just just handed to every 13-year-old boy. Like like a, a player handbook and Night Shift was like, <laughs> I think, handed to every 13-year-old boy when I was a kid. Yeah, there's definitely an appeal to that. But he's, he's I don't know, he's a choir taste. He's he's interesting. Um, but if you like... Interesting. You've read you've read his crazy long books. What are you talking about? Don't say yeah, that. No, he's, he's my favorite Stephen author, King. and I love I love everything that he does. But I understand that it's not it's a not thing for that, everybody. That it, yeah. Like it's at a certain point, like he becomes like an old friend, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's it's a known quantity. He love, a you love his quirks. I've always I've always loved his stuff. I I read Night Shift when I was thirteen. Like I said, you, they might as well have just hand it to everybody. Like <laughs> everybody I, read I, it. Yeah. But I traveled the road. I read all the things. I like it. But I recognize that when I see it, that either people will find it upsetting 
or more likely, we'll think it's schlocky. Because, face it, a lot of it is schlocky. But I like it. I really like it, unapologetically. But the problem with Castle Rock is it's a loosely affiliated property it's not like he's writing the episodes or anything or whatever it is that's what what scared me off of it was like okay so from an outside point of view here's my, my pov that i'm sure i'm dead wrong about and you can tell me what i'm dead wrong about which is like <laughs> that stranger things came along which is just such an in some ways such an homage to some combination of steven spielberg and uh stephen king but yeah, certainly largely like like Steven Spielberg. But mm-hmm. you don't know, think like that came along, and it's a love it's a love letter to two of the genre kings of the 1980s. Mm-hmm. Just a very loving uh, tribute to that. And in my head, somebody who represents Stephen King went, "Hey, we should get a piece of that," and decided to do their own Twilight Zone version of this, where it's like it's an anthology show, right? No, it's not an anthology show, and I feel like there's less of a connection. Well, first of all, it's not really something that Stephen King can do because he is the source material. That's why I didn't. That's why I hadn't watched it yet because I figured it was just going to be some kind of like Me Too of something that uh, they wanted to cash in. No, the, the reason you should have, the reason I was mostly avoiding, it, I was like, this is not going to be any good. Like even when Stephen King is directly involved, it's not great, and they don't do a good job of adapting his stuff. And what are they even going to be writing about in Castle Rock? You didn't like Dark Tower. Uh. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I, I just had dim hopes for uh, for the show, but yeah. Uh, and I started watching, and I'm like, the people who made this show obviously know Stephen King and are doing like, like a facsimile, like a they're I don't know. It's like it's like a it's not a style parody, but it's <laughs> it's close. Um, but isn't a lot of cute? Isn't it have a lot of cute stuff? A lot of like Stephen King alia cute stuff in it. Yeah, but Easter eggy stuff. You won't care if you don't know. Okay. If you haven't read a million Stephen King books, it doesn't matter. Like it, it'll. It, does I, it take I'd place see, in Maine, John? It, does, it sure does. <laughs> I mean, Castle Rock is a, is a big uh, setting, and like I understand where they get the thing. But anyway, mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. is a story. It is not an anthology show. And I was mostly with it as a schlocky Stephen King thing. And up until around episode seven, there was a very special episode of mm. the show where I felt like this episode of television is way better than it ought to be. Oh, in really? The of, in the midst of this, it was like, how is this episode, this amazingly executed, it's kind of like San Junipero and Black Mirror, not not as extreme. Oh, like, no, I, yeah, I, I get what you mean. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like, the whole rest of this there's show no, There's is, no reason for this show to is, be, yeah, this like, episode to be this good. This affecting and this competently made and this well done and like you know i shouldn't i shouldn't be like it's the one where i posted the the credits the credits after had like a hundred producer credits which i found hilarious but the whole reason i saw the credits is i was so affected by the episode that i instead of just immediately closing the window or whatever i was watching the credits i was watching it on my ipad of all things like i wasn't even watching mm-hmm. it on my tv that's how that's the the respect i'm giving the show when i'm watching it. it's like one of those eh, i'll watch an episode you know before bed on the ipad right right um but based on the strength of that episode i think i can it's episode seven, so it's a hard slog through. Maybe you start it and be like, oh, look, I'm just I, not I, After I finish Succession, stuff. I'm going to add it to my uh, Bastic right now. I will add it's it not, right yeah, now. It's not HBO quality for sure. It's kind of schlocky, but it Wait, is, is a that, story. Is, Hulu? is that right? It's, uh, yeah, I think so. Okay, so oh. this, this is what I, speaking of, one final thing I've yeah. recommended people check out House Rock. I've been thinking about this, and you maybe you know if this exists. Mm-hmm. I I pay for too many freaking video services like you do too. I pay for cable. I pay yep. for all the premium channels. I pay for every service under the sun. I need an application or website to keep track of all the shows I'm watching and all the various services. Because sometimes I forget. I'll forget that Castle Rock exists and be like, oh, I have three episodes to watch. I haven't watched it in three weeks because I've forgotten that it exists because I don't have a single queue. 
So it's not so much for like uh, the buying decision of which ones am I actually watching. You need something that's more like a TV watching, sort of like, not like Letterboxd, but something where you can manage stuff. So to, like, to like my TiVo used to be, back before the video streaming services. Yeah, 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 right. I, I, know Netflix, I, I, I can walk but, away for months and come back that I and know I'm on season but or not like even episode that. Like from, from From day to day, it would be like, what shows do I have to watch tonight? I could just go to my Netflix home screen and it was sorted chronologically and it'd be like, there's my shows. There was only one place to look. Say, oh, there's an, because TiVo makes you forget when shows are on. So once I got a TiVo, it's like I had no idea if a show airs on a particular time. You just like, I have, I have time to watch television. It's a Friday night. Let me see what's uh, on the TiVo. Oh, look, here's episode of this show. I like an episode of that show. Now with all these things on 50 different services, I forget that shows exist because I don't go to Netflix yes. and Hulu and the CBS app and all, you know, all the different TiVo channels and all the other stuff. Like I don't, I don't go to them. So I want just one app or website that says you are currently watching these seven shows and here is a chronological list of all the new episodes that have been released for these seven shows so i can just go through the list and say oh since i last watched these things like and i can check them off when i watch them or like you know something like that seems like it's the thing that should exist and maybe maybe i should just use evernote okay so here is an app uh tv time tv time for iOS, uh, it has a website too. I'm not sure if I know what my login is. Look for an app called TV Time because it's pretty much, I don't know if it'll suit your uh, Piccadillos, but it's pretty much exactly what you TV want. TV Time, number one show tracker. Number one show tracker. There it is. You couldn't lie about that. Yeah, so the idea is you go in and um, I think I have an account on here, but you can go in and you hit the plus button and you look up a show and you add it and it starts out as, there's, so there's seasons, season one through season 10. And you can click to say, I've watched that whole season. I've watched this whole season. Okay, I'm on season six. And you take off the episodes that you have watched. And you can, it's a, it's great for two things. Uh, second, it's good for tracking where you are with the show. But number one, it can also be like, oh, I wonder what's coming out this week. And you do a quick pull down. Like I can see that tomorrow, um, you got Always Sunny and Samantha B. And then you can pull up to see the Does past. it tell you where you watch them? Like, does it say this one's on Hulu? I think so. Uh, yeah. Like, so for example, here... I'm looking at John Oliver and uh, see, this is so frustrating. It always comes up with Amazon as a link, but you have to have a subscription inside Amazon. Anyway, I do have an HBO subscription. So I would click on the HBO button and I think, yeah, it takes me there. Yeah. Try, uh, try TV time. I'd be interested to see what you think. You could be my first friend on TV time. Maybe my TV friend. All right. I will check this out. John, I mean, obviously, John, will you be my TV friend. Uh, obviously that this would be way better if it was actually integrated with the thing. So when you watch it on Netflix, it would cross it off, but we can't have that. That would be madness. But you know, just having <sighs> yeah. a manually maintained list is a good step. Up. Well, and I mean, in terms of future Sherlocking, this would be a pretty great thing for Apple's TV app to have. Yeah. That's like, that's what their app should be, but isn't. No, it's not. It's, it's a roulette table. It's like, I wonder what we will show for next <laughs> thing. You will look at it. It makes no, I don't know how it comes up. Sometimes it's incredibly intuitive and it's like, Hey, you just watched top chef. Season five, episode uh, eight, like whatever you just watched in like Restaurant Wars. Do you want to watch the next one? And other times, I just don't understand how it comes up with what it thinks I'm watching. It's really, it, it's got so much potential, potential. Hulu it doesn't have potential Hulu. right now, but it has so much potential to have potential. The Hulu app does the same thing for me in that like all I have been doing on Hulu for the past like, you know, month has been watching Castle Rock episodes, right? Mm-hmm. When I launched the Hulu app, it oh, takes God, me so John, long. Can I beg I just, you? Can I beg you not to bring this up? I just oh want to watch the next Castle Rock. You know which ones I've watched. Oh. Just show me the next one. How old oh do I God, have to tap John. on? I, I, I wish they could just hire me to talk about their app. 
okay, so your kid's been watching Top Chef. Or you no, better still, your kid's been watching um uh the regular show. And so an episode of the regular show has ended. Okay, time for dad to, you know, take the calm and never gonna watch something else. So what do I do? Menu up to go to season. Menu up to go. There's not a home button for the app. You just have to keep menuing up until you get near where you want to be. And now, guess what? Now you have the opportunity to decide where to slide left and right to get to the section you want so that you can then slide up and down to go to the section that you actually want. And she's like, I don't think it's that bad. I'm like, honey, you're high as a kite. This is the worst possible way to present information inside of an app for somebody who wants to watch TV. It's, it's, it's bananas to me. It's like the opposite of any kind of a portal idea or any way of like learning what I would want. Like why do I have a session called my stuff and I got to like gently slide horizontally through this one rail. I got to do the, like the Kessel run and get, it's just, God, it makes me so, the service is so good. And the app makes me so angry. You're so angry at that app. You scared my mom away from Hulu. She said, I heard Merlin say it was $80 a month. I'm not paying for that. I tried to send her Castle Rock because she loves Stephen King. I'm like, you got to watch Castle Rock. It's a Stephen King show. You like it. She's like, she said, I'm not paying paying $80 a month. She's not going to pay a lot for these tires. Did I, um, did I send you the page though for like what I'm paying for? Did I send, I think I sent you that, didn't I? Yeah. Cause it's pretty, it's pretty wild. Like how this thing is structured. Let me go to my account page. Let's let's learn what Merlin is uh, is paying for, because it really is like a Microsoft or like early web. The way that they name stuff and structure stuff. I'm going to my account. Okay, let's go to my next charge. Will be fifty eight ninety eight. And so right now, here is my here is my subscription. Right now, I have Hulu Peren no commercials with live TV. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that includes live TV, limited commercials, no commercials, and bundle discount. I also pay for enhanced cloud DVR. So just to be clear, I'm paying for Hulu no commercials with live TV. Total is 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 43.99. That includes live TV, limited commercials, no commercials, and then I get a bundle discount. That feels good. 58.98. Yeah, I had to tell her you can just get the streaming Hulu. Like 15 bucks. Sync watch list to my stuff. What does that mean? Yeah. What does that mean? Transfer mm-hmm. the shows and movies from your profile's watch list into the new my stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Movies do, you have a, new... do you have a keep watching navigation item? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yes. Which I would want me to show the next episode of the show that I'm watching, but it does yeah. not. It does not. Oh, well, have fun going up and trying to find, if you can use it first, you must solve my episodes guide riddle. How, how are you at sliding just slightly to the left and then just slightly up and down? Are, you know what I'm talking about? Like you're in an episode and like, okay, let's watch. Here's, an, here's one that we, we run into. We want to watch Restaurant Wars from another season. Teep, toop, beep, bop. Left just slightly, but don't get it wrong. How, how much, in another is, how much is, is the Apple TV remote too? It's the Apple TV app, but that was this is their solution for how somebody who was raised with a cable box would want to watch TV. You know what I want? I want a bunch of channels where I can see almost everything and go and go right to where I want. Remember my five favorite channels and always keep them close and dear. Like, and instead, instead I have to go. I, I feel like I'm like some uh, some mook in shoulder pads has got to run through tires just to get to Top Chef. John, <laughs> get with me. It's a terrible app, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, and oh, you forgot to mention the best feature stereo yeah. sound only. 
You can't be surrounded. matter for you because you just got the two speakers. Stereo sound only. It's like, what am I even paying for? Stereo sound? Are you kidding me? Uh, every th- every other service has 5.1 sound on their series. You know these shows were made with 5.1 sound. And you have the Hulu app, stereo only. Uh, it's disgusting. I, I didn't realize how many bits there were to flip in here. Personalized ad experience. Oh, look, I, I did not know. I'm a Nielsen audience. I just managed my Nielsen measurement. I said, I don't want that. Don't measure me. I can personalize my ad experience. Gee. What <laughs> ads? I... You're not supposed to be seeing ads. You're paying to not see ads. I know. Well, let me just be clear. I don't know if I was clear about this. Under your subscription, there's an area called Hulu Base Plan. There's Hulu Base Plan and add-ons. Under Hulu Base Plan, I've got Hulu No Commercials with Live TV, Live TV, Limited Commercials, and No Commercials and Bundle Discounts. <laughs> I feel like I'm losing my mind. Oh, but then no. I, got an, I got enhanced cloud DVR. That's $14.99 a month. Whatever the uh, modern equivalent of being old Elvis <laughs> shooting your television is, you are perilously close to it. You have no idea. 